welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart psychic, who is always at my side, Hostway. I am so freaking excited over my purchase this weekend. I'll, I'll share later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not go back and buy the Death of Gwen Stacy. Okay. But I also didn't go by that comic store this week. So, <laughs> so who knows? Maybe. We'll see. So, um, Yeah, dude. Uh, it's a very small week of comics for us. Yeah. Um, both in quantity as well as like variety of publishers. So if you guys like DC and Marvel, it's going to be a great episode. Um, <laughs> otherwise, of course, it's Saga Week. So we'll talk about Saga in a bit saga. as well, which is always fun. But uh, yeah. The next thing we normally do is we're going to talk about some news. And I have a few things that I think is going to be kind of cool. Um, so first of all, uh, Spider-Man's uh, former writer, um, uh, Eric Burnham, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is actually teaming up with Mad Cave to make a new book called Potions, Inc. And... It's um, it's a fantasy story about a guy who works in his family's successful potion shop and leads an aimless existence until one day. So it's really cool and it's great. So it's like right here, like here's here's the the pitch, and I, I, I'm kind of like I really want to, even though I don't get a lot of Mad Cave, I want to hunt this one down. <laughs> Uh, when an important artifact is stolen from Rand and his family in Prima Terra, he and his siblings must follow it to a dangerous foreign land. Seattle, Washington. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, and it's like uh, they like little bits like it's described as like a land that has tiny dragons instead of birds and so much magic that nothing is ordinary. And I'm like, ah, oh, it sounds really good. Like I, I'm really excited about it. So um yeah, I, I think that's gonna be pretty cool. It also looks like something Steven might enjoy, so I'll make sure to give him a heads up. So next up, um I'm gonna quickly mention that um Steve Fox and Marcio Fiorto uh, are coming back or teasing the return of Archer and Armstrong, another one of the Valiant books that I always really loved when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And as, sure as, sure as soon as Valiant gets out of the NFT game, we will buy it. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. Uh, so next up, and I'm, I'm so curious about what you think about this. Um, Paul Dano is writing a riddler origin series for dc riddler year one what do we think <laughs> i feel i feel like i need this and I, I usually don't really jump into like the movie tie-in uh stuff it, it just really really depends and this seems like one of those like really depends because we've expressed like our opinions about the batman good movie but obviously we have our reservations mine one of mine is that this riddler i feel like especially more so now with that fucking deleted scene that got released today um, there was, I'm not even talking about the whole showcase about the Joker, but it's what the Joker said specifically. It's like, Oh, he's working a long time on this. It's like, that's what I thought too. This Riddler really only had the one in his bag. And I feel like he really couldn't solve another one. Cause he spent, he spent so much time figuring this one out. So now, now I feel more, I feel more excited to actually dive into like his mind and see, and, and to be proven wrong. Yeah. I, I, my issue is, first of all, I, I didn't really like this portrayal of the Riddler, but that's mm-hmm. that's that's the personal thing. Yeah. Um, but also, we kind of saw his origin. <laughs> like he did the yeah. whole like 
I was raised and I'm sad. And he did that whole reveal. And I'm like, oh, that's his origin. And now they're like, you know, no, here's this. And I'm like, okay, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It seems unnecessary to me. I don't know. But it's like a really it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Paul Dano's getting the right out. I love Paul Dano. Give him mm-hmm. more work always, you know? So, yeah, it would be cool. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. So we'll see. Um, Next up. Uh. DC is hinted at a new Birds of Prey roster. Ooh. And it comes with a cover. And I'm going to send it to you. It's a Derek Chu cover. So if you know anything about Derek Chu, it's beautiful. It's going to be showing up in Batman Urban Legends. Nice. Scroll all the, scroll about halfway down for the full cover. Yeah. It appears there's Lady Shiva, Miracle Molly, Katana, and Ghost. And I really like this a lot. <laughs> like, I think that's a right? cool idea. Um, Again, just throwing it out there. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm just showcasing her every single time. But like a mother hunter panic on, on this team would be so dope. <laughs> yeah. So that's Batman Urgent Le- Legends, excuse me, Legends 16. So <laughs> there is going to be the new, there's going to be a story within it about the, the birds of prey, this birds of prey. So this is confirmed to be the group, but. I'm curious, and uh, yeah, I, ju- I just love the cover. It's great. Katana looks great, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as someone who buys Urban Legends, I, I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be really cool, so. Uh, we also got uh, a bunch of announcements about the upcoming Hellfire Gala, and we got to see a bunch of outfits for people already from the <laughs> variant covers. And I saw Josue throw a little shade at the end, <laughs> which was great. Um, they deserved it. I wonder how much this is. Oh, have you seen Cyclopses, by the way? Yes. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I tweeted about that one, too. <laughs> I was like, he actually looks great with all the robes and stuff. Yeah, he actually looks prepared for 2021 Hellfire Gala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks great. Iron Man looks nothing. He just has like a hard light suit jacket. And that's oh. <laughs> like ridiculous. But of course, Laura looks Dude, incredible. Dude, yes. Wolverine with those fucking plat boots. Yes, my girl. <laughs> also, Cap looks hot. Yeah, that's a good like, suit. <laughs> like I'm like okay. Like it seems like they just came, they came back from the weekend just super fucking embarrassed last year, and they're like, <laughs> Janet, please. We're not trying to be misogynist here, but please, you're like you're like the best at what you do on this side of town. So do what you got to do, make us look good next year. Exactly right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what we're gonna have there. So, um, next up, okay. So we're going to briefly talk about this and we're not going to linger because I don't want to give it any more attention than it already has. However, Todd McFarlane, Oof. creator Oof. of Spawn, Buddy. was a fucking moron. God damn it. And basically, he in, in trying to make a statement as to why they don't make as many female character action figures, which is, you know, kind of dumb anyways. But I'm sure they have some kind of marketing thing that they can point to that they think convinces themselves of this. But if anyone is in the comic book sphere these days knows, it's 50% or more women at this point. (laughs) And they're the ones we get along with. (laughs) It's usually the guys we don't get along with. So whatever. Anyways. um, Basically insinuating that they, they wouldn't sell. And then also insinuated that if you bought a boy, a female character, he said something along the lines of 
Serial killers start somewhere. Oh, oh. <laughs> there is no saving point. And then to to get to that point, you're like, bro, where the fuck where do you get this from? Like, oh my god. Yeah, I just it's fucking stupid. So. It was so dumb. Like, oh my god, you can almost you can even tell like the guy who's who is like interviewing him just being like, I have no follow up to this. Like, yeah, sure, I can just say, like, uh huh, yeah, sure. Because it's fucking Todd McFarlane, but it's like, I'm probably never going to talk to this guy ever again. He was just so just like out of place there, too. Yeah, I don't know. It's someone that we've talked up in the past. Yeah, I know for sure. And that bothers me because when I put my name behind Joe, I expect you to not be a fucking douchebag. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's unfortunate that we got to that point. Um, but to be honest, as much as I've praised him in the past, I can't remember the last time I bought a Spawn comic. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, uh, I'm excited about this. Josue, Poison Ivy is getting a six-issue miniseries coming up starting in June. Yes. And I think you need to get this. What's the creative team? Uh, uh, oh, the creative team is... Or even uh, before that, what was the because? Written by G. Willow Wilson. Okay, done. Illustrated by Marcio Takara. Awesome. But, and I'm just going to read the headline here. Poison Ivy art reveals the new series Disturbing Body Horror. Awesome. Yes. And I'm going to send you a link right now with a page or two. You can see what I mean. And uh, just it's going to go it's going to be a great companion with Swamp Thing, I think. So. Oh yeah, my god, yes. Great. Like I mean they should just buddy up and not even like get together, not not like not ship them, but just buddy up and just take over the world. Yeah. So, it looks dope. Like that guy's face just oh. Yeah. Like this, we have this poison ivy. We have thick poison ivy from uh, Lonely City. Like she's she's awesome. Yeah, so that's pretty dope. I might. I, I don't know if it's gonna be black label. Yeah, I don't know, but it looks great. I'm, I might might jump in on that. Mm-hmm. So. And then the last thing I want to mention is in this day and age, when what happened to Mouse happened, <sighs> Persopolis has now been removed from Pennsylvania schools over parent complaints. For those who don't know. Persopolis is a really, really great comic book. And it's about uh, a story of a young girl in, during the Iranian Revolution. Mm-hmm. And it's it's won a billion awards. It's like one of the most well-respected comics ever. And yeah, it's gotten removed because parents complained. And I, I don't give a shit about those parents. Fuck them. So um, I'm really sick and tired of seeing this happen. But hey, I mean, maybe Persopolis is going to sell a bunch of copies because of it. So Thanks, well-meaning parents. Um, but yeah, did, did you ever read Persopolis? No, I never got around to this one. It's really good. It's it. There's some violence in it. Mm-hmm. There's some torture, but it's because it actually happened, right? So you know, like, and so I, I just. Oh, no, so it's gonna be one I'm gonna hunt down then. Oh yeah, definitely get it. It's 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 really really good. It's 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 a lot like Mouse. It's that kind of like artistic, like real like biographical and done really well yeah it just seems like they're going after like pantheon products because like they publish some some non-fiction stuff some influence some stuff that can actually educate people on yeah (laughs) but yeah that's all i got for news do you have anything um no all right awesome well we are going to go straight into our comic books this week as i said it is a light week for us but it's a good week we got some good quality stuff to talk about Normally, normally, we start off the show with a boom. However, there are no boom books to talk about. In fact, we're not even going to be able to celebrate an Aftershock because there were no Aftershock books to talk about. 
And finally, we can't even open the vault because there's no vault books to talk about. (laughs) So, for the first time ever, we're opening the show by cheering on a dark horse. (laughs) That's actually good. Uh, (laughs) I really like that. (laughs) Dark horse comics. And we're going to talk about We Have Demons number one. All right. I picked up this book. Josue uh, did not pick it up, uh, as I said in the past. We can't afford to buy every comic, both of us. So a lot of times, new stuff, one of us will try it, unless it's something we know we're in for. So I I regret to inform Josue he's going to have to buy this book. (laughs) Uh, Written by Scott Snyder and drawn by Greg Capullo. Inks by Jonathan Galepion. Colors by Dave McKay and letter by Tom Napolitano. Now, Josue, I got one of my favorite things in the world, a Peach Momoko cover. Ooh, oh, she did one. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah. She looks really cool. Nice. So I know you said you've seen some screen caps and stuff, but do you know anything about the story yet? Um, Vaguely, because I know it's a Comixology original, so I know like two issues have been out. Yes. So the way this this works is it's... <laughs> okay, it's... It's it's religious in a way, mm-hmm. but in a really like pagan way that i know christians are not gonna like (laughs) okay um but it's literally it tells you this is a story about the fall of mankind not in a poetic sense more in a faces ripped off the skulls and eaten sense nice it's as actual demons reaching up and pulling people's guts out through their buttholes all while the earth cracks around them and the sky crashes down you know it's literally like this is about the end of the world (laughs) deal with it basically so uh the first page and this, I read the first page. That's when I texted you is after I read the first page. Okay. Uh, so you got the main character, and she's talking to her neighbors, right? It's a guy and a pregnant lady. That's the main character. And she's like, you know, talking about God folk, the people who are like, who like, who are so good, such good people. And she's like, they're high school sweethearts. He works with blind kids. Uh, she helps feral cats. On the weekends, they help, you know, manatees and all this stuff. It's basically they do everything right. And they brought an old lady into their home and took her in. They take care of her and stuff. It's like, you know, Godfolk through and through is what she said. In three weeks, they're supposed to have, tri- or they do have, have triplets. And I'm supposed to be the godmother to the babies. But the thing is, one minute from now, I'm going to murder the spoons with this hatchet. My name is Lamb, after Lamassu, an ancient angel. But I'm not Godfolk. And then it cuts back. And basically, you find out she was raised by this dad who is a preacher, but like one of the cool preachers, you know? <laughs> and she finds out that her dad is actually a member of this organization that hunts demons. And they recalibrate the de- demonic ideas in a different way. Um, so basically, <sighs> how do I say it? They science faith, is what I would say. Um, so... Uh, also, she finds... Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so they talk about the Big Bang. The Big Bang is the beginning in this world, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about, you know, the lightest elements form and then heavier elements form. And blah, blah, blah. And they say, but uh, the, there's two forms of, of, of matter or whatever that actually form the lightest of the light and the heaviest of the heavy. And no one knows about them. And it's like the first one, it's, it's um, mass is less than a single proton. And the other one, it's atomic numbers in the 600s. 
and they go by the, they've been nicknamed Halo and Horn. And Halo basically brings life and like, like if if, there, if there's ever like an oasis in a desert, it's because <laughs> a bit of Halo hit on that desert. Oh, okay. Like, and then Horn corrupts living creatures, like, and turns them evil. And it goes in this whole thing about how this group of demon killers uh, found all the Halo and turned them into weapons, like a thousand swords or something like that, to hunt all these demons who have been corrupted. It's one specific branch of humanity back in, during caveman days that were corrupted by Horn. And so their whole thing is they got to hunt them down. Yeah. Well, her dad dies. Long story short, she gets she gets brought into the group, and um, that married couple who are right there, mm-hmm. she pulls out her axe, and they turn into this. Oh, nice! Yeah, and then uh, she goes to kill them with with the blade her father gave her. It doesn't work. She doesn't know why, and they're like, "He never explained anything to you." And then, oh, and then. And that's when the guy I referred to as Josue Neiman shows up. <laughs> yes. Because he also has your personality, by the way. Dope. Like, he's just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, it's great. Um, so he shows up and saves her. The old lady they're fostering turns out to be a demon as well. And she ends up killing the old lady. She's able to use the sword. Long story short, she lost her arm when she was a child. And her dad kept building her new arm every year. Mm-hmm. And she has to use the arm to activate the blade to use it. Oh, sick. So, and so that's it. She killed the old lady and now they're going to her and this guy, whose name is Gus, by the way, uh, <laughs> the way demon is Gus. Yes. Um, they're going to work together to basically hunt demons. And it's a lot of fun. I actually really liked it and I can't wait to see where it goes. Like, um, there's a lot of religious iconography and a lot of it kind of shits on religion a little bit, <laughs> nice. which I know it doesn't bother me or you, but you know, some people might be bothered, but I really liked it. I thought it was great, and the Peach Momoko cover kind of made it for me. Dope. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely very curious because, like, it's, it's fucking Greco Pulo. fucking kills it for me every time. Um, but knowing that, knowing that it was like now uh, Snyder like poking fun or uh, religion, and also that I think they're like, and they're gonna make three issue arcs. Like they're like they're gonna make in spurts of threes. So that could be, yeah, appealing to me. Makes sense. Um, it's extra size too. It's huge. Oh, okay. Oh, I got it's, like, it's like at least a double issue. Maybe. Okay. So, um, I forgot how much I like Greg Capullo's art. I forgot how much because I haven't seen it in a long time. Oddly enough, mm-hmm. I know Greg Capullo mostly from Spawn when he stepped in when Todd got too busy. Oh yeah, and then I just obsessed over him when uh, his New Fifty Two Batman. And I was gonna say, and Batman, that's it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but really enjoyable. I liked it. So, uh, Josue, let's switch publishers. I want you to talk to me about. Source Point Press and Cover of Darkness 3. Cover of Darkness 3. God, okay. Um, this one written by George McHale and Chris Com, Art by MG, MJ uh, Highblend and lettering by Nikki Powers. So, now we've kind of evolved into three stories here. Um, I'll kind of go one at a time because it does kind of jump around. Uh, uh, it's kind of cool. It actually kind of goes by a lot faster than I thought it was going. Uh, I thought. But we have the, those stupid fucking boys that got trapped by the carnival, and now they're really kind of learning how the ringmaster runs this circus, and it's kind of fucked up. Like they're they obviously they just want to leave because they just feel they, God. Their, their whole attitude since the beginning has just been like those like spoiled kids that literally have <laughs> probably didn't have like a 
good upbringing. So there's really no reason why they should just be so fucking just like this. Just calm down. <laughs> I can understand like your probably role here and you can probably survive like all of this. Anyway, in the carnival, uh, there's a, there's a fucked up side story where you find out that it's like, yeah, all these carnies like work for the ringmaster and they kind of have to like serve their time um in order to get free and of course in the end there's like a plan to want to every uh, like a little beauty maybe like for for an escape it gets botched and it, i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure it was on purpose from the ringmaster he's able to he's able to fight back and he shoots he shoots fire from like or he blows fire like through a, through like his little knife through his blade so it's just cool like the, the little magic aspects but he burns one of the bro- one of the brothers and and uh, the lady who was literally that night was just talking to him being like, oh, yeah, my sentence is over. And he was just like, oh, like, oh I'm very disappointed in you. But like, sure. But so he's a, he's a man of his word. So it's almost like he did this on purpose where he burned her too and be like, hey, I can heal you. But you got to sign this contract. And you're just like, oh, this motherfucker. How many times has he done this circle? So there's that story. Um, the other one we get, uh, we finally get uh, into the Frankenstein story. And this is a really nice reveal because um, you get to, yeah, it's like, what, what does it say? The the Santorini Islands, uh, not, 974 years prior. And this lady kneeling before a grave, uh, Prince Victor Frankenstein. And she goes, my husband, my muse. And you reveal like, oh, shit, she was the mastermind behind all of the inventions and the, and the, and the monsters. And Igor is like, uh, uh, is kind of like, is with her. So she's the one obsessing over trying to bring him back again, or at least like actually bring back the actual Frankenstein monster. So like that was really cool. Coincidentally, her name is also Mary. Um, and so she does. She literally, um, I forget who she who she brings in, but she does end up. Uh, she, she uses the mind of his brother, no, the body of his brother, and obviously like the mind of, of Victor, and she does reanimate him. And it's like he's still smart. He's still trying to do his thing, but he does he does have this this hunger, and he just starts going on a rampage. And because he was like the prince in this in this story, so there's gonna be like this, this huge like ball, and literally at the ball, he just like frenzies up and just like mauls this one dude. And at that moment, again, like now that shit's hitting the fan because then like zombies show up at the very end, and they're kind of taking over the town again. It has to I guess it has to do something with. I think part of the one of the inventions that had to do with the uh, with the Frankenstein uh, 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 plot, but uh, but yeah, it seems like now we're oh yeah, and, and there's like a very small story touching back on the Dracula part. So I think all these plots are maybe starting to kind of for like all kind of uh, forming in this way into maybe I like kind of meet together because like they're all kind of like not that they're going nowhere, but it's like they have to be meeting up at some point because at first we we're telling two stories and now we're kind of throwing in a third one, and I'm pretty sure it. it at least it's like a team up and we, we also get like a sequel to this cause fuck, or at least like some sort of, of a longer form of comic than just a single volume. A team up. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Monster team I up. Like the team up. <laughs> like, like I want to talk to you about the monster. Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Um, that's cool. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to stick with Josue for a moment and let's switch over to IDW. Josue. Tell me about a very special crossover. Yes. God. Yes. I was so excited for this one, just like by the solicitation, just because like, I, I, I went with the cover A when I really wanted one of the variants, just because it was 
that. But this book is written by Colin Bunn, art by Freddie Williams II, colors by Andrew Dollhouse, and learning by Johanna Natalie. IDW presents Godzilla versus Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. The King of Monsters, the Dragon. I need to ask before you even get into it. Are they fighting Godzilla, or is it one of those... The heroes fight, but realize they're on the same side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the first issue, so it's the <laughs> former part of that sentence. Of course. <laughs> so it's uh, the King of Monsters, the Grand Dra- the Granddaddy Dragon versus the Dragon Sword in this issue. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it starts with Rita just trying to comp- concoct another plan. The Green Ranger uh, solo job um, is trying to, to, to follow their plans, but it's just like one one guy, one Power Ranger against her, Goldar, Scorpina, uh, not Festus, he just sends out putties. But uh, but uh, Rita just uh, hatches out one last plan because she was in the middle of a of a spell uh, where she was, she was, yeah, her spell was like, they were literally like going to be like, yeah, the Power Rangers fucking suck. Let's just dip into another universe where there are no Power Rangers and we'll just dominate that one. And that's when the Green Ranger shows up and be like, I'm here to stop you. We're just like, everybody could have just been li- lived off happily ever after. <laughs> and then if, had he just not, if Tommy just not shown up. So, so she finishes the spell and they go to the universe where there were never Power Rangers, which Wait, is where. So, so, so I want to make sure this is the original group of Power Rangers. Yeah, it's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Um, so they go to the universe. Rita transports her crew and then because Tommy's there. Uh, him as well to a universe where the parents are never there. So they jump in into a middle of a Godzilla fight versus this other fucking kaiju, like in the middle of atomic blast. It's fucking awesome. And they're like, what the fuck? And, and Rita's like, I'm going to dominate that motherfucker. And then it gets into like hella, like uh, fucking Godzilla lore. Cause uh, people from, cause aliens show up. Because we're the Godzilla side, alien, fucking alien show. The people from Planet X, like fucking a, like we get so we get so deep into all the, all the fan service here. Um, Zordon and the and then back at back at uh, Angel Grove, Zordon tells the Rangers, "Be like, oh shit, Tommy's just not here. So we need to figure that shit out. I'll try to find him." Um, but yeah, but because this is a world where there were never where the Power Rangers never. We're never here, though. Though they did blip back in, they did blip into this universe's Angel Grove, just decimated. It doesn't mean that the Zords were never here, just in dormant. So fucking Tommy gets his fucking uh, dragon dagger and just does his fucking flute thing and pops out the fucking dragon Zord. It is awesome, but it is still one Zord against the King of Monsters Atomic Blast, and it is not a fair fight. It is not a fair fight, and uh, so. So Rita does it does like the instigating thing where like yes at first like they are fighting each other, um, and then we kind of get to like into like the cliffhanger which uh, Zordon did was able to cast like one like massive like kind of a dark not a dark spell but just like one like maybe this will maybe work maybe not work and he was able to transport the 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 Rangers to that universe as well. Uh, so we'll see where, we'll see when we come back because this is sure just like they can get back <laughs> i sure hope they can get back right um yeah it, it, honestly it looks fantastic with Freddie williams uh and then just like it, it's just it's so much fan service and i just love this that's cool see i've never been a godzilla person at all okay uh so like whereas a lot of people really love godzilla and stuff i just never got it it's never been my thing mm-hmm. but i do like the power rangers <laughs> so <laughs> 
That's really interesting. Did you at all get to see uh, Shin Godzilla? No. Okay. But I, no. I've never watched it in any significant amount. Um, and what I did, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one it was. Okay. At all. So it, it was. I, uh, I did used to watch um, IFC a lot in the mm-hmm. network. Um, in my twenties. I basically had that on and I would record everything that came on. Nice. Uh, so I would watch everything and I watched a bunch of Godzilla movies. But if you'd ask me the plot of any of them, I would be, you put a gun to my head, I would never know. <laughs> like, I would be like, no, the, the, the 2016 Hideki Anno's take on, on Godzilla was just like mwah, a masterpiece. Oh, nice. Yeah, never been my thing. I don't know. So well, that's cool. Awesome. I'm, I'm tempted. I'm very tempted, is what I'll say. So. All right. Well, funny enough, that's pretty much all the small uh, publishers we have this week, guys. So we are going to switch up and we'll start with the big indie publisher, Image Comics. We have a couple books this week. And strangely enough, we're starting with Hostway again. Department of Truth number 17. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. We finally made it here, people. Department, The Department of Truth number 17. Written by James Tynan IV. This one, art by George Fornes. Uh, Jorge Fornes. Uh, colors by Jordi Belair. And lettering by Aditya Bidegar. So we enter... Uh, we're, 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 going, we're still back, kind of back in the, in the past. It seems like every time it's not uh, Simon's, it's uh, a story in the, uh, the past, just like to build on the lore of the department. And in this case, we're in the fuck, late 60s. 70s it, uh, it's uh it's lee who is still kind of fresh now out it's just in the department but it's like now that people don't really recognize him um he's with uh, the chairman of the department right now um and they're meet they're going to meet the president president nixon and oh boy we get into the moon landing people how did the department of truth oh god land the moon landing uh, because yeah, because Nixon, like, so b- pretty much like they're there to tell Nixon. It's it's one of those where it's like when you become president, you like your first week, you get the lowdown on like a bunch of secret shit that you can never you have you to take to your grave. Full of shit. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically one of those days, and it's like it's the Department's Truth Day for for Nixon, and he lets the he lets him in. Then it's like, yo, it's kind of true. Uh, back in the day, um, we had a spy with the Soviets, and when the Soviets were able to when when they found a. Uh, when they found Hitler dead and our, our spy was the one that found the, the secret room and like the secret laboratory and all the dossiers saying that what they, that they heavily believed that with a strong sense of belief throughout the world, we can reshape it. And which is kind of like what we've been, what we've learned so far from the book. And so Nixon crazy fucking Nixon takes this to kind of heart and starts fucking playing with it. Um, so his first thing is like, yo, we got to beat the fucking Russians to the moon. Like, um, it's it's just the only way we kind of we got dominated we got uh, a sort of dominance in that way or whatever, and so we enter the space program. But how the fuck do we do it? It's just it it's it was fucking impossible. So it's really so it's just it's Lee and the chairman. Then they're just kind of like hashing it out, and the chairman is kind of like kind of laying it on, on Lee, and Lee's picking it up that it's like yo maybe this guy's kind of like already like not seeing the future of where the department could go. And like, you can definitely see how Lee, not Lee is like connivingly just trying to like take over the position, but it's just like, maybe Lee is kind of like the, the best new, the best new head for, for the department has, uh, as how he's been running it. So there's a part where it's just like, wait, 
is this the good or the bad one? If that's what we're led to believe, should, should I believe that? Because then that makes it true. I'm already going off of the rails on the whole different topic. We're coming back here to the moon landing. So, what do we do? <laughs> Why not both? Why not we do both so we can have it? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> they basically do stage it. They do bring Kubrick into this. It's like they, it's, it's, a, it's a quick scene where they just talk about it, but they do bring Kubrick to make it as believable as they could so that the world could believe it, so that they could retroactively get the science behind it to actually make it to the moon. If that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, and this, again, there's another meeting with Nixon, because now he's really into it now. He's really into this department. Um, and but and he's, he's all pissy, because he's kind of like, the, they're, they're going <laughs> to... What, what, how does he say it? They're going to... Uh, they're they're going to reward uh, Kennedy for this because he's the one that promised it. But I'm the one. But six years later, like we're, uh, we got here because of me. Well, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, I but ne- say, uh, when you as soon as you said Nixon, I'm like, oh, he's not going to be happy how this ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but now he wants to like, really roll with it. Now he wants to like start influencing like the world and like so that so that they can be like the dominant power. But at least kind of like like that's that's not how you play with it. Like you're 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 going to influence it in the wrong way it has to be broader in a more like, and so, but Nixon's kind of like, well, I'm president, like whatever, like I'm not a crook. <laughs> um, so you can, you also definitely get the feel where it's just like, yeah, if you're really going to roll with this, you should know that it could just come back and bite you. Like it's not, like it's not an easy fucking thing. And we all know how Nixon's story went. So that's how it happened. We get the little epilogue of the sh- of a shuttle blasting off from the moon, and then the fucking lady in red shows up, and she's walking towards the flag with nothing. I mean, like not nothing. But she's like she's still in her red, but like no gear. And then she looks over, she reaches out, and then you turn the page, and she's like cupping the world, and you're like, and it's just so well done. Where it's just like. Is this the stage? Is this actually her out there? Because again, she's supposed to be like this, like this omnipotent being of like this otherworldly, maybe the end of times thing. So it's kind of like, is this really her out there? Or it's like, it's just, it's so well, it's goddamn a fucking little Department of Truth. I've been so excited how they're gonna like do if they're gonna stage the moon landing. And it turns out we get to have our fucking cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the next issue. Back to the USSR. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. I love how insane this book is. This book is fucking bonkers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, next up for Image, we're going to talk a little saga. Yes. Saga number 57. Uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn, drawn by Fiona Staples, and lettered and designed by Phonographics. So, right off the bat, Goose is back. I was so happy. For now. I was so happy. <laughs> At least some sort of confirmation. <laughs> Also, he has the best quote of the return of Saga so far, which is, <laughs> Goose is awful sensitive in his side meets. Amazing. <laughs> it just, he's back for one page, and I'm just smiling ear to ear immediately. Like so, um, It's a really good issue. I, I'm thankful for how it followed up on the last issue. Because uh-huh. it did leave us really despising the character. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm okay with him now. I don't love him or anything like that, but it definitely made it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, we learn a, a bit about Alana and her sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, we get we get a little bit more into the music of it all, which I was like, oh man, Hussey <laughs> probably loves this. You're probably like, I Fair. wish this was real music. I know. <laughs> um, and then the cool thing is, is we actually start to get to see a bit more between about Bombazine. Yes. Which is really cool. And also we get to see some emotional moments between Alana and Little Prince Robot. Oh my god, yes. The hug. <sighs> yeah. Like, Just a little sweetheart. Oh, so sad. Um, another thing, we get to see the Will and Lion Cat kind of interact. Lion Cat clearly doesn't really like him very much still. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, obviously she obviously Lion Cat just says lying, but the one panel where it's like it's like, well, you heard the lady, and it's like the way she just says nothing to him. Like obviously yeah. she only she can only reply by lying when someone does, but the way she just says nothing to him in that face with that face. Oh god, yeah, I feel it. Yeah, there's some tension. Well, it, it backs up the cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, but overall, it's, it was it was a great little uh, chapter, and it kind of touched on a whole bunch of different stories and uh the last page is great bombazine just all looks oh insane. i know because like what, what was it it's um well like, that guy was a heartless psycho well anyway i'll see you later and yeah the last page is like yo that fucking body language how could you not see that <laughs> like are you stupid you're gonna die <laughs> 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 he's gonna kill you <laughs> like, yeah uh it's such a great book uh so glad it's back um, I actually buy two copies every week because Liz keeps up with it too. Nice. So it's just fun to like drop that on her. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, um, pretty good. Anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, no. I mean, like just like the opening sequence uh, with Goose and just like yeah, just I, I love that Miss Saga. Like your the opening page, it's just it's always going to be a treat, whether it's like a giant what the fuck or just like a really tr- a good treat like this. And also because not just Goose, but then like with the, the pups. I am such a huge fan of Endwife, so the fact that we had a, a whole scene with her and Alana was just like, uh, I was just been so happy that that saga has been back. Yeah, it's just great, and then it kind of ties in where we left off with the mo- with the first issue back with the the counselor chick talking yeah. to the kids and ties into that. So yeah, everything ties together very nicely. So really cool, awesome. Next up. We're going to talk about Ghost Cage, number one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So, creative team. Art and co-writer, Nick Dragata. Co-writer, Caleb Goldner. Uh, We got Russ Wooten, Frank Martin Jr., and David Brothers involved. Um, This is a new series from Image. And it is in black and white. Mm -hmm. So, um... I I liked this book. I'm going to give a quick opinion, and I'm going to give Josue some time because I know he has some some stuff he wants to talk about because he really liked this. I liked it a lot. I like the the story of um of basically the energy that we use and how it affects things, and I like the personifications of them and how they looked, especially Hydro. Love yeah, Hydro. <laughs> um, I I really like the main character and the Doyle. Design. Yeah, yeah, how it's like. <laughs> really expressive and big and exaggerated. I really like that. In fact, all the character designs, I just really like them. They're very exaggerated, but they're very cool. And I think it's very interesting. And I'm really curious to see where it goes. Josue, 
Take it away. <sighs> Ghost Cage. So I've been dying for a Nick Dragota uh, since East of West. And post, like, at the end of East of West, there was one promise called Tramp. And it was like, this book I still have not heard anything new about. So it's kind of like, damn, like my boy's just like been on the quiet. And then Ghost Cage starts surfacing up out of nowhere. And it's just like, I find, we finally have our hands on it. And it is just so fucking cool. Like we've, we have, we've had a uh, ultra mega, some coffin bounds and those books. Sometimes you just have to follow around because they just, they're crazy for the sense of like entropy being fucking crazy. This has elements of that, but you can actually make sense out of it. Like it's actually pretty coherent and, and it is, it's pretty easy to follow along. Those you're just kind of like waiting for like the next shooter draw to kind of put some pieces together. Uh, though they're still fantastic. But this shit is just like a black and white book. It's very manga esque, very almost like yeah, Akira like with like the craziness, just like towards the end. But uh, but damn it, it just it also just feels so refreshing because I guess again, also just like fresh off after reading a uh, Scud, a black and white book that was just crazy, but just not, again one of those for the sake of being crazy. This one, when it gets crazy, it just it gets serious, and you you definitely get to feel the stakes of it. Though, like the monsters are out there like super fucking huge it can just go anywhere but it's it still maintains some sort of sense of groundedness and fuck yeah hydro with like the fucking power like the eye just like when he just like, absorbs one thing to another oh fuck yeah dude like, here we go like again like it's you get this elements of craziness like oh i don't get that but it, not that it doesn't explain it to you like at least like not in detail but like you get what's going on and then it moves on to the next thing and yeah like all the characters are fantastic like i love that the that the the hologram dude um is on doyle's back I, I just i like that i like that aesthetic that he's just always lingering around it's just there's something so retro about this book while while also feeling very modern for a, a future future futuristic sci-fi book and the fact that the hologram can never get Joel's name right. It's always a different toil, boil, yeah. something else. Uh, yeah, I, I really dig it. And it's um, like, I, it, like you said, it doesn't quite explain everything. But I think because we are the, I mean, the audience surrogate is Doyle, who isn't explained anything. No one tells them anything. So it literally mm-hmm. is kind of like we're, we're along with Doyle. So it makes sense for us to not really understand. So. Um, I really liked it. It was really cool. Um, very artistic. Very, yeah, I was very impressed by this by this first issue. Yeah, definitely. And finally, our last image book of the week is going to be one of my favorite books this year. Yeah, probably my favorite book this year. Actually, Oof, it is it's definitely my favorite indie book this year. It is a de- a definite contender, especially after this issue. Bolero number three. So, written by White Kennedy, art Luana Vecchio, and letter by Brandon Graham. It's just so good. (laughs) Like the the first three issues of this were such a great little complete arc on their own. Um, and I don't want to break through all of it. You know, I don't want to break down everything. I want to. I want to kind of just like talk as an overall thing. Um, But if you need a selling point. There's a there's an LCD sound system cover band in this issue. Yes, there is. I was going to say. <laughs> um, also, Elijah Wood makes an appearance. Yep. Uh, so, um, I I really loved this issue, and it's oh, I, I'm trying to think of the way I want to phrase this. 
there's a way a story is told and that you really enjoy and you really relate to a character. And then when you, you reach a moment where you realize that character isn't the whole story. Mm-hmm. And that was this issue. This issue tells us the past three issues have told an amazing character story about a character that we've grown to absolutely love. And it's introduced us to other characters. And we're like, Oh, these characters are great. But then the story itself basically tells us you probably should have been paying attention to them as much as as her, because they also have stories. They also have desires. And uh, do I want to spoil it? I don't think I want to spoil it. That's, I'm trying to dance around a spoiler, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it's... Let's just say that the switching and jumping of universes isn't limited. Right. And, and it really makes you, like... It makes you think about your relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And you're in a relationship with somebody, and even if you're the most empathetic person in the world... The relationship, you see it from your perspective first. And it kind of like shocked me when I read this that it's like, you know, we're all told that everybody is, has their own story. Everybody is the center of their own universe. You know what I mean? And this story did such a good job of like hitting me with that. And just like the possibilities everybody else has. Um, you might be really happy and someone else might not be. You know, you might think something's not a big of a deal and someone thinks it's a bigger deal than it is, you know, or than than you do, you know, and I'm just it's just it's just really interesting. And it's about it's about being like yourself and being a person and making mistakes and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I just I'm just rambling at this point. This is such a good book. Everybody should be reading it. It is, That's all yeah, I'm gonna say with that. It's so. definitely one of the highlight like highlight book. It's gonna be one of the highlight books of the year. And I don't know how long I don't, I don't know if how if this is gonna be a mini or how long this book is gonna go for, but we're at the end of March and I gotta this issue alone will probably be the most honest issue of the year. Like yeah. in a in an issue where there's like there's dreamscapes with uh therapy cats and we've already expressed that there's a uh, you can yeah, fifty-three chances of jumping to different, uh, different uh, life, uh, life, uh, lifelines. This is one of the most honest issues you're going to get, and then t- I cannot wait to get the full picture to to to, to complete the story because yeah, it it is just very very fucking good. Yeah, it's just it's like it's like the other relationship books that we've really enjoyed, mm-hmm. but but to a ten, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's just insane. Like just like getting together, just like Alice in Leatherland, a little bit of Carmen, fun, and a little bit of Carmen. Yeah, like just this enjoyable, down to earth story with a twist. But this one's twist is like insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, instead of like a twist of lemon, it's like a squirt of habanero. <laughs> like it's just like amazing. I love it. I love it so much. I just am loving this book. So. <sighs> It's hard to talk about it. It is. Like, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe by the next issue, we can definitely start elaborating on like the consequences of like what really kind of transpired here to really go off from it. Because it, it is really good. If you're not, if, you ha- if you've been on the fence for this book, like by issue three, really go out and really ha- start hunting them down because it's so worth the read. Yeah. <sighs> so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just hard to just talk about the plot points because to be honest, it's a big thick book. It has it has a it spine. Is. 
So if we start talking about plot points, we're going to be here for 20 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about a hundred characters. And then when you have alternate versions of the characters. Yeah. But I, and again, I part of it is system. LCD sound system. So <laughs> yeah. And then LCD sound system and Elijah Wood. So. <laughs> exactly. It sells. So um, yeah, loved it. It's, it's on the radar for my book of the year period. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, yep. you don't need more praise than that. Really. Contender so. for sure. All right, now we're going to hit the big two, guys. We're going to talk about DC Comics. Um, I got a stack. Let's get into it. I'll make some of this quick because some of these are like penultimate issues and stuff. First off, Aquaman and Green Arrow number six. Um, This one was really interesting because it felt like an ending, but it wasn't. Uh, Written by Brandon Thomas, art by Ronan Cliquette, color by Ulysses Sariola, and letter by Josh Reed. I'm not going to get into the plot of this one. It's basically the plot that's been building for six issues uh, where they have to team up with the bad guy to stop the thing from turning all the people on the planet into lizards, basically. Um, In the end, they're basically like, okay, we did it. Cool. And like, we're going to go and be, you know, we're going to go home. Call me if you need me need anything. And Aquaman goes home and he gets attacked. So something still isn't right. And they actually call it out in the story where it's like, this doesn't feel like the end. And yeah, his, his people attack him in, in Atlantis. And it's just like, okay. And let's just say there's a big last page reveal that I'm not going to spoil, but it was interesting. I'm curious to see where they're going to go from here. Cause it could have <laughs> just been like, we took out the bad guys. See you later, brother. You know what I mean? No, yeah. it was, it's like, there's something going on and it definitely piqued my interest. So, um, now, next up, what I assume is the finale of Icon and Rocket season one, because um, Static wrapped up for season one and six. So, this is issue six of Icon and Rocket, written by Reginald Hudlin and Leon Chills, pencil by Doug Braithwaite, inked by Andrew Curry and Doug Braithwaite, colored by Brad Anderson, and letter by Ann World. So in the last issue, Rocket, would, like a cute guy, basically like drugged Rocket and took her power belt so she doesn't have powers and revealed he is the sh- evil, shape-shifting, alien, creepy dude. And she doesn't have her powers and stuff. Um, it all comes from the belt, right? She's able to get the belt back, but isn't able to get it back. Or She's like still woozy, still drugged, and the dude's about to kill her when this happens. Yes! Your boy. Yes! Your boy Static shows up, saves her, and he's like, hey, I had a bad feeling about leaving you with some kids or some strange kids, so I tracked you. She's like, you stalked me? He's like, semantics. What did he do to you? <laughs> like, and the entire time he keeps like, um, keeps vaguely like still kind of flirting with her while they're fighting. And basically they're able to stall long enough for Icon to show up and save the day. Uh, there's another great quote from Static where he says, nobody hits my not-quite-girlfriend who I'm still kind of long uh, long way getting from actually getting to talk to, but maybe there's a chance one day, friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. um, but yeah, basically, um, it, it does wrap up this story with this alien, and they're able to actually defeat him and kill him, which is cool, because he's like the one who could actually take Icon out. So, um, And then in, in the end, Icon's like, hey, listen, um, to keep you safe, because everybody knows who you are, we're, I got you enrolled in a new school. It's the best school in the world, where the future leaders of the world all attend. She goes, dope. He goes, in Switzerland. Oh. She goes, Switzerland? What about you? And that's kind of where it leads off. So, 
very curious to see what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed the first season. It was really, really good. So Nice. Next up, Harley Quinn, number 13. Written by Stephanie Phillips, pencil by Riley Rossmo, inked by Jay Leaston, colored by Ivan Placencia, and lettered by Ann World. Um, remember I said I love that Harley Quinn is doing the right thing now? Yes. She's so great. Um, so basically <laughs> her thing was she found out all the fancy restaurants in Gotham. If they have any food left over, they throw it away. And so she asked them, hey, why don't you just donate it to a food bank? And they're like, no. <laughs> so she basically steals the truck with all the food in it at the end of the day and then donates the food to the food bank and gives the truck back. That's pretty fucking simple to do. The- yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking exactly. Fucking A, Harley. Thank you. Right? Like, she's literally like, I'm just doing the right thing. And everybody's like, she's literally become like a hero now. Is the You're whole stealing, thing. Harley. <laughs> yeah, like, but, um, yeah, the, like, the lady at the thing is like, I don't care where you got this. Thanks for the food, basically. <laughs> so, um, meanwhile, while that's happening, a woman dressed in a Harley Quinn costume oh. looks like this. Oh, damn. Okay. Like, attacks a bunch of mobsters and kills one. And, of course, Gotham police are so incompetent, they think that's actually Harley. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's what that girl looks like, and this is what Harley looks like now. Right, right. But sure, okay, they're the same person. But, um... Uh, so, they she ends up getting arrested for the murder of this dude. Um, now, the bad guy is the one that we met in the last issue, I'm pretty sure, which is the verdict. She's the new big bad. Um, but we don't really see them again throughout the rest of the issue, so we'll see further about that. But um, So she gets arrested. They're like, well, we can't throw in Arkham because Arkham doesn't exist, so they throw her in Blackgate. Oh. And it's like, they're like, Harley Quinn's coming to Blackgate, and like everybody there is just like, oh, well, I'm going to fucking kill her. <laughs> like, everybody's just, so she shows up. She's got a do-rag on, which is just amazing. Oh. Um, and she's like, hey, you guys want to like tell stories? <laughs> like, <laughs> So it's going to be her in Black Gay Penitentiary for a while. I'm okay with that arc. That sounds like a lot of fun. I like. I'd like it if they all hate her, but then she ends up like getting them all into therapy, and they have like, right. She literally starts helping them from the inside. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I would love that. So, <laughs> and my next issue is Detective Comics 1058. It says the conclusion of the Arkham Tower storyline. Oh, I got this cover because it was sick. Oh yeah, it is. So, when we last left off, all the bad heroes were saving the people in the Arkham Tower. Um, Dick is knocked out. Scarecrow went for Psycho Pirate's mask, wasn't able to secure it. It landed, and the Mayor Mayor Nakano's wife put it on Mm -hmm. and got the powers. Well... It doesn't really directly follow up on that. Hmm. What we do know is that uh, Batman and Batwoman, basically, they talk to Deb, the the, the um, reporter chick. Yeah. And kind of explain, hey, this guy was a con artist. This is what happened. And she, she's like, um, basically, like, well, who was it? And they're like, we're not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you the whole story. Basically, we got to protect some people. Meanwhile, Penguin sends some people after Psycho Pirate, but it's a trap. It was Batman in disguise, and they take out all the goons. Penguin's furious. Um, 
and basically Mayor Nakano is like, hey, listen, I still want to do Arkham Tower. And he gives the um he gives the ownership the control of it to mm-hmm. Dr. Meridian, the nice lady that was actually watching for her on his behalf. So they're still gonna do Arkham Tower, just not without the con- not with the Carnars dude. And the only time we really get to see Mayor Nakano's wife is like of two very brief moments where she's just sitting here mm-hmm. and someone brings her flowers. And then this one shot. So we don't really get a follow up of what happened with the mask. Okay. And it's very interesting. But the last page of the story is Batman back in Gotham up on a gargoyle and there's a radio signal coming through. It says, this is Riddler radio. And I have a question for you, Gotham. When is a killer, not a killer. And that's where it cuts. Oh shit. Now, almost as importantly, the backup story. So let's go to the creative teams now because it's two different creative teams. First story. Written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Owen K. Nahoban, color by Jordi Belair, and letter by Ariana Mayer. Backup story about the kid whose life sucks. <laughs> yeah. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, or drawn by Fernando Blanco, colored by Jordi Belair, letter by Rob Lay. So he sets this trap and he manages to get Batman and Joker together. And he looks like this now. Well, that's cool. Because he's been living underground in the sewer (laughs) with all these people. And he's teamed up with a bunch of villains, including Scarecrow, Clayface, and Killer Croc. They're all working together. And basically, this kid is like, I'm going to kill Joker, and you're going to watch me. And Batman manages to talk him out of it. And he's like, listen, yes, that monster killed your parents. He's like, but, you know, look, at you brought people together. You're doing the right thing. You know, he's like, this is your city, not his. Let's make it better, basically. So you're like, that's cool. Batman ended up redeeming the kid in the end, right? And then the next to last page is the kid walking down the the sewer looking for his people. And he's like, hello, are you all down here? It's me. I couldn't do it. And Penguin comes out. I remember he used to work for Penguin. Yeah. And he betrayed Penguin and locked him in a room where Batman captured him. And the kid's like, you're not going to shoot me. Penguin pulls out a gun. He's like, you're not going to shoot me. He's like, I see now there's a bigger story out there than just myself. There are people to help. And then Penguin says, oh, my sweet dear boy, I'm afraid you still don't understand. You don't matter, you silly boy. You talk about being the forgotten, but the fact is no one ever even knew you existed. They never even knew your name. This world only cares about two types of people. Those with enough power to write history. And those mad enough to make their mark. You're just a minor character in other people's stories, boy. You're wrong, Mr. Cobblepot. Cobblepot, I'm going to help the people in this city. This is my story. No, no, my boy. It never was. Oh, no shit. Just like that. All this was just, he was just a minor character in the background the entire time. Doesn't matter. Doesn't become a new big bad. It's such a statement about Gotham that I was just, I got chills thinking about it. Yeah. It's fucked. He touched all these lives. But no one's ever going to remember him. It was just <laughs> highlighted, glorified dialogue off of this dude on the side. Yep. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Brutal. Matthew Rosenberg is an evil genius. He really is, man. God, he really gets you. Like, in the end, where it's like, you can see the end, it's like, well, in the end, I shouldn't care. Like, I shouldn't give a fuck, right? That's what you're, to- you're telling me. But you just sunk it in with this feeling. That's so good. He really, he really excels at. Yeah. 
Next up, my final solo is Teen Titans Academy 13. Oh, no, my next to final solo, excuse me. Okay. Teen Titans Academy 13. This is War for Earth 3, Part 4. Written by Tim Sheridan, drawn by Tom Derenick, uh, colored by Pete Pentasis and Matt Herms, and lettered by Rob Lay. This is the aftermath of the destruction of the tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Teen Titans and the kids are basically in a safe house now. And both Beast Boy and Cyborg are in critical condition. Yeah. Because of what happened to them. And yeah, they're both in hospital beds. Okay. They have and Raven's beast. like Raven's like, I see. She goes. Um basically like she's told that they're going to die. And at this point it is a way of making them more comfortable, is basically. And then Gorilla Greg shows up, he's like, Listen. He's like, you know I'm a more than proficient engineer. He's like, and I'm also a telepath. He, and he's like I have an idea. Now, remember in Future State when we had Psybeast? Yep. I'm pretty sure that's what his idea is. Oh, okay. Is that later on somebody says Victor's going to hate this? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, Beast Boy's going to love it. He loves everything. So, um, they're also hiding from Red X, the real Red X. And then who shows up but the Suicide Squad? And it's the Rick Flag Suicide Squad, the good Suicide Squad. <laughs> And so they show up and they're basically like, they break in and they're like bothering the kids and stuff like that. And eventually the, the, um, the Titans confront them and they're like, listen, we, we came to ask for your help. We weren't looking for a fight actually. And the Titans decide to go, but only the adult Titans, not even the, the street crew, you know, not the like teen Titans. Yeah. The actual like Titans go, mm-hmm. the teen Titans don't. Okay. So they're like, you guys need to stay behind. So they take off in their ship and then, you find out hidden underneath is a bunch of the kids who snuck to come. Including the bat, the bat pack, um, and Tubi, and someone else I can't remember. So, but yeah, they're like it's an adventure. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh god. So yeah, uh, there's only one part left in this series in the Earth, the Earth uh, Three series. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I love it. I mean, it's, I'm so glad Teen Titans Academy seems to still be going. Yeah. It, it definitely seems like, because I know you and me were kind of worried at 12, they might cancel it. Right. And I know there are some people talking shit online, and I'm like, this book's great, shut up. So, <laughs> uh, okay, now my final solo book, Human Target, book six. Oh, shit, okay. Oh, oh damn, okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to straight up say it. A lot of people online did not like this book, <laughs> but I'll explain why it your opinion doesn't matter. Anyways, so written by Tom King, drawn by Greg Smallwood, lettered by Clayton Cowles. So in the last issue, uh, Ice and the human target finally hooked up. Well, okay. this takes up of the next morning where he's like, hey, listen, I need to talk to Fire. And Ice gets really protective and it's just like, she's my friend, she wouldn't do this. He's like, listen, I need to talk to her. They get in a huge fight and she leaves him. And he's like, great. So he's just sitting there what am I going to do? She left me. It, it does like some really noir moments where he says, like, I can still smell her perfume and stuff. Like oh, that. Like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Um, he goes and see Dr. Dr. Midnight again. And he's like, Hey, listen, you're still dying. <laughs> like, he's just like, um, he's like, you know, there's other things we can do instead of like drinking and good revenge. He's like, what? He goes, I could take you to church with me. And then human target tells the story where his dad is just like, you know, he asked his dad what religion they were. 
And he's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to tell you what religion you are. It's up to you to choose your religion when you're when you want to, you know. He's like, so w- basically whenever you want to go, let me know and we'll go do some worshiping. Or we could just stay in and watch the game. And he's like, I sat down next to him on the couch. He scuffed my hair and offered me some chips. <laughs> it was a good game. Went to overtime, but we lost in the end. <laughs> it's just so good. Later that day, he goes to speak with Ice. And they immediately kiss again without a... There's no apology. They just kiss. Right? So they have sex again. And in, when they're having sex, it reminds me of when Kitty phases through the floor in Academy X. Or in oh. Sonic mm-hmm. Um They're like, what's that sound? And Ice is like, I think we froze the pipes. <laughs> ah. So they're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And there's this moment where he's like standing by a window and you see that right oh. there. Yep. Guy Gardner shows up. And Guy's like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Remember when Guy first saw him, he was he was mad at him for flirting with Ice. Mm-hmm. They hadn't even slept together at this point. Now they definitely slept together. And guys, she's like, get the fuck out, guy. And he's like, come on, baby. Don't you know what this shit did to me? Do you know what I had to do to... And she's like, get out. You know, trying to get him to get out. He makes, like, this shield to block her ice powers. They basically kind of have, like, an... Hank Pym, Janet Pym domestic a little bit. Oof, uh-huh. But but there's no actual physical striking each other. It's just their powers. <laughs> um, and then so the human target pulls out his gun and takes a shot at Guy and he goes, I know he's going to use his shield to block it, which he does. But he says because ice is so powerful he needed all of his concentration to block ice. Even that tiny bit of a distraction it said, well it can get cold awful fast. And so she freezes him. Oh shit. Yes. And he's like, it's like, you know, basically it says, uh, blah, 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 here. I take some comfort in knowing it'll never be, it'll be over quick enough after what she's done to him. All I'll need is one punch. Whoa. Wait, what? Yeah. And then. What? Yeah. She walks over, pushes him over, and he shatters. What the fuck? <laughs> Um, and then she's, he goes, I think I'm falling in love with you. And they kiss. And then we see a, a frozen chunk of Guy Gardner slowly melt. Yeah. And it's just, uh-huh. Fuck. And, and then neither of them want to address it, but they basically start talking like, is anyone going to catch us? That's literally the conversation they have. Yeah. Like they're, they're not like, what have we done or anything like that? I mean, like it's Guy, so who cares? So, <laughs> I but holy, but holy <laughs> um, shit, that was crazy. The human target goes back home, runs into his buddy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the, she's waiting for you." He's like, "Who?" She's like, "The the lady." She, you know, chassis. He's like, "What lady?" She's like, "Someone you just don't say no to." And he goes upstairs, and it's fire. Oh shit! And they're about to have a conversation. So, <laughs> motherfucker. So here's my defense of this book. First of all, it's incredible. So go fuck a dick for all I care. It's incredible. <laughs> Um, secondly, it's black label, so it's not canon. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if Guy Gardner dies. Yes, it's slightly out of character, but refer to part B where I said it's black label. Like people Okay. People will quote like alternate versions of Batman that sometimes kill uh-huh. as a reason that movie Batman should kill. Mm-hmm. But then Guy Gardner is kind of an asshole in an alternate universe, more so than normal. Throughout and the like, series? Out of character. 
this is unacceptable. Fuck off. <laughs> like, and yeah, throughout the series, it's not like he's like, this is like unwarranted. He was like borderline stalkery while playing with it. It was, we were all kind of going, ha ha, but he was kind of fucking stalking her. Like it was getting yeah. weird. So, but yeah, and again, black label. So don't take it too seriously. Just take it seriously for the moment and then for the shock factor. Cause yeah, holy shit. That moment's awesome. And third of all, there's something more to this. Yeah. There has to be. And the problem is we're going on a hiatus for three months now with this. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you bastards. <laughs> but, but I really thoroughly enjoyed this, and I think people are taking this way too seriously. Right. And I thought, like, people are talking about, like, this is the end of the book. The book's not very good now. And I'm like, what? What? This has been this book the entire time. You were fine with Martian Manhunter being, like, a sadomasochist in the last issue? <laughs> like, really? Like, in, like, I don't know. I think it's interesting that Ice isn't upset that her ex-boyfriend is dead at her hand. Right. And I'm wondering if either she's the killer or what if Lex Luthor's the killer and he set this all up to have the human target tear, tear the JLA apart? Oh, shit, because he'd be like just snooping around enough. Because he got, he got poisoned while taking Lex Luthor's spot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good stuff. Gotta love that book. It's fantastic. So, all right, let's start talking about some shared DC. Starting with Trial of the Amazons, Wonder Girl number one. Yeah, baby. I'm so excited about this book. Uh, thankfully, returning Joelle Jones with the script and art, who I don't think anyone else should ever do Yara Floor for the record. Yeah. <laughs> um, colors by Jordi Belair and letter by Pat Brasseau. There's a lot of things I really liked about this issue. Uh, first of all, Joelle Jones's art, obviously. I just think her art is incredible. Yeah. Um, I absolutely adored this page. Mm-hmm. Where we're introduced to all of them with like the banners and stuff, with cool poses and stuff. I thought that was the best way ever to introduce these characters. Yeah. And it really clicked with me. I really thoroughly enjoyed that. So um and then like a lot of the cool action art, like the when they fight the big the big boar and stuff like that. I really enjoyed that. Um I love how animated Yara Flor is. Like her face here. When she gets excited for her, yeah. Like everybody else is kind of like all the other Amazons, even like Cassie and stuff, are kind of like composed. Yarflor has no composure. And I love that. Yeah, she's, 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 she's all emotion, and I, I absolutely adore that. So um I also really like the like the confirmation that you have to dive deep to get to their city. Yes. And I almost so, start going oh, start to start going back up. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then the really brief scene with her and Apollita. Yeah. Was, was interesting, sweet, and maybe maybe goes to some hint to some story later on. So um But yeah, it was just a really good issue. And uh, of course the cool glory shot of the four champions at the end is great. I wish Diana wasn't dead center in Yara Flora's book, but I mean it is what it is. Yeah. So uh but I'm excited. We are just over halfway through the the crossover and we haven't even actually started the trials yet i know it'll be soon so uh really really good what do you think it, it was a really good book i wish it was titled uh wonder girl number eight instead of instead of tie-in it it really i, I wish this would have been yara's prologue to the trial of the amazons like the, the, this issue i i loved everything about it it was really good joel jones like really fucking knocked it out of the park it just, it didn't really progress the Charlie Amazon story, like, really at all, except for, like, the Artemis scene and the uh, Hippolyta scene. 
but that was that had already happened and so yeah so only really it was only the artemis scene with uh with with cast but uh so other than that like I, I it was a good backstory to yara but again god not here we it's like we 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 waiting so long for this event that's like and again we kind of just got left off where we got left off on the last issue and again and like, like you said diana grew right in the middle how she was in the last issue where i, I would have much preferred yara in this in her own book too yeah, yeah I, I did really like it. It was just like, not right now. Or like we could have been maybe, maybe already told this one before. Yeah, I think. Um, and this is something that had a lot of controversy with a lot of fans that Yara Floor was basically taken or that her, her issue her series was canceled. I don't think that's it. I think it's relaunching under a different name. Right. Not for sure. So, um, so I'm fine with it being like a tie in one shot or two shot, apparently. Um, so. Right, because there's going to be two of these, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fine with it. Um, I wonder if we're going to get a Wonder Girls book. That's what Ooh. my instincts are telling me. Like, I, like, I was so ready for, like... There's a like, lot of Cassie in this. There is. Like, I was ready for this issue to be, like, we're, we're starting the fucking trials, and it, we're starting with Yara, so she's, like... She just fucking dominates. Like, everybody under... Not even uh, just underestimates her, but she just shows the fuck up. Um, but, yeah, so so hopefully so hopefully you do get some of that. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, honestly, whoever wins has to guard Doom's doorway, so I don't want Yara to win. Oh, yeah. She she, she, she (laughs) would go away. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. Next up, Robin, number 12. (laughs) Written by Joshua Williamson, penciled by Roger Cruz, inked by Norm Ratman, colored by Luis Guerrero, and lettered by Troy Pateri. Um, And this kind of wraps up the whole, you know, island storyline. Lots of stuff going on. Um, we get a brief moment with Connor and Damien, which is fun. I like that Damien steals the biggest airship in the world to go back to Gotham <laughs> by himself. That made me laugh really hard. <laughs> and then Damien has to come to grips with the idea he can bring Alfred back with the Lazarus resin. But should he? And he fights like a holographic or a mindfuck version of himself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, he does the right thing, which is really sweet. And I was like, Damien's the best. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says, Damien's amazing. Um, and then he has a confrontation with his mother. And I loved this so much. Mm-hmm. Because I basically, I can sum it up as hashtag justice for Talia. Because that character has gotten shit on by so many writers for no reason whatsoever that I love that her character is starting to actually get development and be supported and become more than just I'm evil, sexy lady. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So this, her basically Damien's like, Hey, we're going to fight to the death. And she's like, no, I want you to come back and I want you to be my son. Like, she's like, you know, and I like the bit, like when you talk about this new friend of yours for this flat line, I don't <laughs> like her. And he just goes, I don't care mother. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we get the flat line tease at the end with, oh, so good. Where, Flatline kept Damien's heart <laughs> when she ripped it out, which is such a great little callback to like issue one. <laughs> so, um, and then, of course, that would have the blood of the demon. So that's really interesting. And that leads into what the big crossover is going to be Shadow War, which I'm very excited about, uh, which is that Rachel Ghoul is dying. And what's going to happen next? Um, now, we do know when Shadow War starts. Deathstroke assassinates him. So that's why it's going to cross over with Deathstroke Inc. Gotcha. So, okay. 
I'm very curious. Uh, I'm so I'm so like excited about that. But yeah, what do you think about this wrapping up the whole first twelve issues? It was good. I mean, I, I like I like when we have like. I mean, like sometimes like an issue can just be like too much when we have like so many different plot points. But this one did so well, like tying up so many like the important loose ends. Like yeah, like him and Connor or him, uh, yeah, him with Hawk was like was really nice. It was like it was cool to the quick moment with like the their their fathers behind behind them was it was a really cool touch, especially because like we've had like those cool pages of like the the Hawk and the Robin like fighting behind them, like the animal the animal forms. Uh, but yeah, every, every single thing that, that it touched upon was was really nice. I really hope it doesn't do like the oh the soul absorbed the resin so. Pennyworth, like Alfred, still comes back a little bit because, like, it's it's still like right yeah, over the I grave. Okay, I hope not. I fucking hope not. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious. Uh, I'm also very. I really like the, the Talia and Damien scene, like quite a lot too. Yeah, I mean, you and me are suckers for a mom scene. <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> so. All right, and finally, our DC, last DC book is a super size black label special. Rogues number one. Written by Joshua Williamson, drawn by Leo Max, colored by Matthias Lopes, and lettered by Hassan Atsmani El Hau. Uh, so, I'm going to start with the confession that I've not really kept secret or anything. If you ever paid attention, you know this. <laughs> Captain Cold is my favorite DC villain. <laughs> I think he's fantastic. Really? I think, I think Wentworth Miller played him so well on the CW shows. And just, I love him so much. So, this could almost be a companion to Catwoman Lonely City. A little bit. It could be the same universe. Mm-hmm. We would never know. So, um, basically, 10 years later, um, all these Flash rogues are getting older, including Captain Cold, who's on probation, but has gone straight, and is living in a little shitty trailer and just trying to do a thing. He works at a, wa- a warehouse and everything. And he's, he just, well, first of all, I mean, obviously he overhears his boss saying some stuff about him. That was pretty insulting. But yeah, deep down, it's still Captain Cold, though. Like, I don't see him putting up with this for too long anyways. So it's really interesting. And he basically gets fed up and decides, fuck it. I'm going to be Captain Cold again. So he rips open the back of his fridge and starts wiring things together, we'll say. <laughs> then he starts hitting up people. Now, if Captain Cold is my favorite Flash villain, one of my other favorites is his sister, Golden Glider. <laughs> and so we follow up with her, and she like works for like underprivileged people and helps them with social services now, which is really cool. One of the things is, they can't hang out. That, that violates their parole, which sucks, because they're brother and sister. Yeah. But he's basically like, hey, help me. And he starts recruiting his group, and it, it's done like, like a heist. Mm-hmm. which I love. Um, so you have the total heist recruitment thing. So you got Trickster, the con man, and Trickster has obviously had a lot of work done on his face. So he looks <laughs> like, but it also looks like he had work done. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't look perfect. It looks pretty bad. Actually. Um, we also get him to recruiting bronze tiger, magenta heat wave and kind of mirror master. <laughs> so, so they need mirror master to do the thing. But Mirror Master is in a psychiatric hospital, so they got to break him out. They go there, they set the alarms off, all the guards show up and stuff, and they're all they're all trying their best not to break laws, like serious laws, because they're all on probation, and they all don't want to go away. They're like, we're done with that world, basically. Like, Bronze Tiger refuses to kill at this point, even though he was an assassin. 
So a bunch of guards pull a gun on them, and then my boy, Captain Cold, freezes them all, and then just starts methodically breaking them, which is so great. Like, when he just kicks that dude in half, it's just Mm -hmm. fantastic. And then, yeah, it wraps up. Basically, I I didn't even mention the heist. They're going to break into Gorilla City and still... (laughs) Still, still, Gorilla Grod's gold. So, um, yeah. But I love the line. It's like they, he kills him. He's like, no, we're going to cops your ball. And she's like, Lynn, stop it. We get it. You go, good. Glad you're remembering who the fuck we really are. <laughs> we're the rogues. Next stop, Gorilla City. Like, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I loved this. I, again, he's my favorite DC villain, and I maintain that Flash has the best rogues gallery. I don't care. Nice. It's just fantastic. So, what do you think? Um, honestly, I, I had a lot of fun with it because uh, we, we've been having these uh, uh, go, uh, golden age or uh, golden year rogues, or the lonely city and uh, the the swamp thing one, and it, at, at the end of that one, it had a, a, an old uh, Constantine. So you kind of like, and then you kind of get this one, like the the cover is just kind of like, oh shit, like kept the cold, like down in his dumps, and it's just like, nope, there's a dude who's not learned a single fucking thing, and it's just gonna do his own whatever he the fuck he wants but maybe not break the laws here and go somewhere else and it, it's, it's gonna become a very fun heist story um I, I was i was very much into it especially with the the recruitment part and yeah it's just a classic heist yeah it's gonna be fun yeah and i like that again it's black label so all bets are off mm-hmm. you know you can do anything you want which i really enjoy so it would be really cool if there's just like a little like look over like into like the news like an over in Gotham and you see like the fucking the Lonely City Cat costume. I'd love that. Yeah, it'd be really cool. I would love that. So, all right. Well, it's time to talk about some Marvel comics as we wrap up this week. So, again, we got quite a few here, so we'll go through them quickly. Avengers Forever number four. So Marvel's been doing these Infinity Saga covers. Have you seen these? Yes, some of them. There's one for each movie. This yes. one got the original Guardians cover. So. Uh, but yeah, uh, so written by Jason Aaron, Jim Toe, and Guru EFX, along with lettering by Corey Petit. Um, so this is the one with, with Robin Ray as Ghost Rider, you know, Tony Stark as Ant-Man, Wonder Man, the Infinity thing, that alternate universe, right? Well, they introduce the three granddaughters of Thor. Oh, and nice. The goddesses of thunder. Um, and they come in and they are awesome. I fucking love them already. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, this one especially is my girl. She's all <laughs> like, you can see she wears like a ripped up shirt. She's got, like, yeah, like very like Thunderstrike ish. Yeah, I dig it. So basically they show up and help them defeat all these, these black skulls, right? Um, because the black skull recruited a bunch of other black skulls to come in. But there's something else going on, which is basically on their Earth, a bunch of Phoenix fire falls, like someone had destroyed a Phoenix, right? And they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're like, we thought the last Phoenix was dead. Well, along with it is this hand. Nice. That sometimes moves on its own. (laughs) I know this book gets insane. Um, Well, their version of Mjolnir wants to take them to, like it's like trying to tug them somewhere so they literally tie their boat to Mjolnir and get pulled through reality by it it's the perfect sail <laughs> and that's where they go to that's when they show up and save them from the black skulls they wreck them and there's an awesome moment where they they basically throw all the black skulls through the portals back to their own worlds mm-hmm. and we get this badass shot of Robbie Reyes 
Ooh, yeah. Where he says, uh, tell them vengeance is coming and tell them how it burns. It's just fucking badass, dude. Um, they send them back and they end up punishing um, the Black Skull had a had a symbiote, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't kill him, they just stopped him. The symbiote is incarcerated in the infernal trunk of the Hell Charger. <gasps> so it's just constantly on fire in the Ghost Rider's car, basically. <laughs> Uh, the skull himself is left in a state of forever penance out in the middle of the desert by himself. Ooh. Yeah. So basically, they're like, well, we got to go fix whatever's going on. But then also, they find this. Another disembodied hand with three claws coming at it that sometimes moves on its own. And they also find the Mjolnir of this Earth. And they're like, okay, so... Basically, they, um, they're going to be going through the universe to save everybody, essentially. Cool. Um, Simon Williams and the Infinity thing are going to stay behind. Yeah. If anything kills me. Um, they're going to stay behind and like try to like recover the Earth. Like, you know, help people recover, get rid of all the killing machines and stuff like that. And it's great because Tony, as Ant-Man says... Um, you and Simon take care of things here, Ben. And he says, it's rebuilding time. <laughs> so stupid. Love it. Uh, but basically, yeah, they're going to be traveling from Earth to Earth. Now, meanwhile, the female Moon Knight and the half-completed Vision, mm-hmm. they we haven't seen them all issue. And we see them at, quote, the center of infinite, infinity. And someone off screen says, a Moon Knight and a Vision. Good, we can always use more of those. Avenger Prime will be happy. And then they're like, you know, they're like, hey, we want to go home. And the person says, believe me, that's all any of us want, but no one's going home. Not until this war is won, even if it takes forever. Ah. Uh, wait. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Sick. Oh, but it's a Black Widow symbol? Huh? Is that Black Widow yeah. symbol on the chest? Yeah. On oh. Iron, 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 Iron Man armor. That's cool. And this is probably Hawkeye. I mean, I, the purple, I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, but it's like he's got more of a green arrow look, you know? With the oh, totally, arrow. yeah, the fucking mustache. And then, of course, Captain Carter. Yeah. So, uh, that's really cool. I'm really excited about this. So maybe that's going to be the new group. Probably Robin Hood, because it's, like, it's probably a recruit from Carter's side. Yeah, so... <laughs> Really cool, really dope. I really enjoyed this book. It's insane. They just do the most insane shit. It's like Jason Aaron literally is like, "Oh, this isn't canon. I can do whatever the fuck I want, as long as I don't kill Robbie Reyes, because he's the only canon character." Then sure, like it's great. I love it. Next up is Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit number four. Uh, I'll be quick with this one because it is kind of building up to the next one. Written by Samira Ahmed, art by Andres Dinalet, colored by Trina Farrell, and letter by Joe Caramagna. Uh, basically, the we get the origin of the the person that came in that looks exactly like Miss Marvel and has her powers. She thinks Miss Marvel destroyed her world. It's pretty clear she didn't. She kind of jumped to a conclusion, uh, but basically, she's blaming her for it and is trying to kill her for doing so. Basically, it's pretty simple uh, and straightforward. There's a fun team up with Nadia, uh, the Wasp, mm-hmm. where uh, she's she's trying. She basically shows up, and there's two of them. And she's like, oh my god, there's two of you. She's like, which one of you is the evil doppelganger? And she's trying to convince her. 
And Kamala's like, I want donuts. She's like, well, that's common, actually. <laughs> like, it's just like, no. Like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like, yeah. Um, but good stuff. Next up, Shang-Chi number 10. Yes. I love this book. It's so good. Written by Jean Louis Yang, drawn by Marcus Toe, letter by, or co- colored by Eric Arcinega, and letter by Travis Lanham. Uh, yeah, basically, it's about Brother Saber. He's in jail. One of those monsters goes to kill him. And so the rest of the family is like, hey, we have to go help him. He's going to be defenseless, which he's never defenseless because he's Takeshi. He's the best. Exactly. And they they basically have to fight off several of them because they get a little bit of his blood. So, of course, they clone themselves and they have to work together to fight. I love that he fought with a fucking food tray. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, everything is a blade in the hand of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but surprisingly, because we expected that, but we did not expect to see Sister Hammer again so quickly, I think. Oh, man. Well, I mean, like, they he mentioned her, but yeah. Yeah. But we do see her, and much like Dexter, she just became a lumberjack. And <laughs> so, um, but she's a badass still. Um, I love the part where she just throws fucking logs at the bad guys. Yep. Um, I love that she's like, there's not a hammer in sight, so she picks up an axe. Um, and yeah, they all kind of have to work together. Uh, once they save Takeshi, they're about to go save her. And then Sister Dagger, and then we're just like, listen, he's going to be in danger if he's just here. We might as well take him with us. And it's just like, okay, well, let's do that. You know, <laughs> basically, that makes sense. Shang-Chi agrees. And hopefully, he, I, I hope he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Brother Saber comes with them. And, um, they uh there's actually a moment also i should point out where they're fighting where brother saber saves shang chi oh yeah which i thought was really cool that was a cool idea so um but yeah so basically they show up to get sister hammer and they all agree to work together they kind of explain to everything to everybody and they have a portal to to talo they walk through and they're immediately attacked, of course. <laughs> so that's where we're left off. I'm loving this so much. I love all five of them being together. Yes. It's oh my so god. Great. Such a good fucking team. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Sister Dagger had some great moments like she always does. Mm-hmm. She's just shit talking like it's great. So I loved it. What anything you want to add? Yeah, I felt bad for like the goons. Like usually like just whatever goons are always just like the, the throwaway dialogue. They they're like the voice for like the establishment, but like Shang Chi oh, was the, just the guardsman. Yeah, Shang Chi was just like, "Hey, I'm trying to retake the name here. We're trying to do this thing for good. Can you help us?" And they're just like, "Yeah, okay." And like everything's fine until like they come up with the plan. And it's like, "Yeah, no, we need to take for the fucking brother Saber. Or it's not going to work, right?" And then so the, of course they have to like attack them. And like the guy's just like, "What happened to a force for good?" <laughs> I felt bad for this guy and for Shang Chi for. Uh, breaking his promise, but damn it, <laughs> I felt bad for this one goon. Yeah, it was pretty great. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Book. Yeah, no, it's super good. I, like I said before, I really hope they stay in Talo for up until like the 150th issue. Like we're so close. Yeah, yeah, a big confrontation with the grandfather. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, next issue: Demon Days, Blood Feud. Man, this one took forever, didn't it? Very <laughs> feels like it. Story and art by Peach Momoko. Uh, English adaptation and dialogue by Zach Davison and letter by Ariana Mayer. Of course, I got this cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and this wraps up the Mariko saga. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, 
it's basically a confrontation between her and her sister and her trying to convince her sister, Hey, I didn't kill our mother. You know, uh, it wasn't, I was a child, you know, things like that. And then in the end, her sister stabs her, but doesn't kill her. And so she's able to be saved and, um, she goes back home and everything seems to be fine. Um, there's a tease with uh, with her sister and one of her uh, one of her people is basically like they're more of our kind out there, lost, afraid, and alone, and it's implied they're going to go look for them. Basically, yeah. Also, I thought this was really interesting. As it ends, and as Mariko goes to school, this is very much modern day Japan. Oh, totally. Yeah, it transitions to like a modern day, which I thought was really interesting. And then I love that this this little thing lurking on the edge is great. So. Um, but yeah, really cool. We got at the end with a question mark, but then at the very back, Peach Momoko's reimagining of the Marvel Universe will be expanding this summer. Oh, expanding. thank God. So it's not just going to be Mariko. We're going to get other characters. Thank so. God. Because it, it was just so fantastic. I love how she's like been reshaping it. This, this, this whole conversation, this whole episode we've been talking about, what ifs and black labels and continuity sakes and people just having fun. Peach has just been doing just such an incredible work with comics with just like having her own story being told here. Well, I guess while just borrowing stories and making it her own. I've been fucking loving her, her books. Yeah. I have absolutely adored this story. It's so much fun and seeing, seeing her expand Mm -hmm. is going to be interesting. I'd really like to see her take on Fantastic Four. Oh, wow. With like the elements of the Fantastic Four. Because, yeah. you know, it's always like Thing is rock. Um, Reed is water because he flows like water. Oh, like for real. Fire, and uh, Sue is the air. You know, it's always the four elements. It's always the. Oh, that is so true. For real. So, yeah, let's just like play that into it a little bit would be really cool. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that'd be the one I'd really want her to take on. Even though I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan, I just think that'd be so cool. But that would make so much sense. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, Maestro number two. We will be quick with this one. Written by Peter David, drawn by Herman Perata, colored by Jesus Bertov, and lettered by Ariana Mayer. It's an issue two, and it really is just setting things up. Basically, um, Human Torch, Jim Hammond, Human Torch, goes back to check in with N- Namor. And is like, hey, I killed killed Maestro. And he's like, no, you didn't, dumbass. <laughs> the Maestro shows up and attacks. Um, at that point, he discovers that, you know, it's it's the two of them teamed up. And um, Abomination shows up to help as well. But, of course, Abomination is always going to be a silver medal to Hulk. He never is going to be the one that stops him. In the fight, Maestro intentionally, and I maintain this, if there's any dispute, if anyone thinks this wasn't intentional, you're stupid. Intentionally kills Namor's wife and son. Yeah. And so Namor is outraged. He's about to kill him when they get teleported out. Everybody but Maestro. And it's Doctor Doom with basically his own version of the Defenders, basically. Actually, yeah, you're right. Because, <laughs> yeah, if you put Doom in for Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and you put Abomination for Hulk, this is this is an actual incarnation of the Defenders. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is really cool. So, um, not too much about it. It's an issue too. Like I said, we're building up to what's probably going to be an awesome four-on-one fight. Um, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, yeah, no, I mean it, it's a it's a good second one. It was just like such a uh, 
I hate how evil he is. He really is just so far gone. Like, there's no redemption to the to to Maestro. Like, and, and like, and I hate that I'm saying this while we already had like this is like the second sequel to his uh to his uh prologue to his prelude of his uh the end run. But fucking it, it's just like yeah, killing Na- like it's just like knowing Namor. It's like fucker. He finally he finally probably found peace. His son is a spitting image of him, but it's probably just a hint nicer than how Namor used to be. Gone. Just gone. Yeah. Also, did you see the... This is the first I've heard about it. Did you see the tease for the um, Hulk versus Thor crossover? Oh, I mean, no, I've, I've been seeing... I, I follow Donny K, so he has been promoting it, but I didn't think it was going to be a whole back-and-forth event like this, or at least like a five-part, six-part event like this. Yeah, I'm really excited because we already get those books. So. And uh, Yeah, exactly. And also, like... I I I I shout out to Rom V's like with him tackling out Carnage. Why and I think of like Donny Cates like crossing over his two books right now with Hulk and Thor, <laughs> and such heavy hitters too, such classic heavy hitters. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, next up, I'm going to kick over to a galaxy far, far away for Star Wars Doctor Afra number nineteen, written by Alyssa Wong, drawn by Ming Yu Jung, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, and lettered by Joe Cara Magna. Uh, this one doesn't even check in with the other half of the cast, just Lucky and his partner. It <laughs> literally just stays with Afra and Sana. And uh, a couple issues ago, we were introduced to a new um, antagonist for Afra, who is um, either trans or non-binary. They didn't really make it clear, but they go by they. And um, you find out how they know each other, because Afra recognized them immediately. And when they went to university... Afra befriended them immediately. So basically, they're trying to get into the school, and the guy, the counter is like, "Hey, that's not the name on your ID." She goes, "Oh, it's out of date. I go by this now," you know, and kind of implies they transitioned, you know. Mm-hmm. And he says, "I'm sorry, but your name doesn't match the chain code. Then I'm afraid I can't help you." And Afra walks up. And she's like, "Oh, hey, long time no see. How's your mom? How's your sister?" And he's like, "Oh, just just let them in. They're with me, you know." And the guy's like, "Fine, whatever. I don't care." So, um. Afra's like, oh, cool. Welcome. Want to be friends? And then she's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's break into this professor's office. You go first. And basically uses her uses them as bait. <laughs> the professor catches the, the new person. And while they are taking them to the dean's office to punish them, Afra and her friends break in and steal a bunch of shit. So Afra's actually the bad guy in this case. Huh. And... um you find out that the professor actually really liked the new student later on and realized that they are actually really brilliant and really good at their subject, which is the study of the dark side and stuff and really good at translating stuff. And um, you find out what they're looking for is a collection of artifacts that would basically give you the power of a Sith. Just straight up. It would just make you a Sith. (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah, I never have to worry about charging my phone again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of where it leaves off. Is they find the like the the teacher leads them to a thing that uh, that can do it. So they're all they're all there at the same time. It's all going to come up down to a fight right in this room that can do that. And I'm curious to see if anyone does become a Sith. Yeah, interesting. And those powers. So really good stuff. I'm enjoying that. Next up, we're going to swing over to New York City high above the streets as we hang out with Spider-Man and his family for a little bit. First up, Ben Riley Spider-Man number three for me. 
Okay. Uh, written by J.M. De Mateus, art by David Baldion, color by Israel Silva, and letter by Jokar Magna. Uh, this one actually, so it's been kind of like a, oh, this is kind of like an extra story in that era kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Not necessary reading, but kind of fun. But this one actually was really different, and I really liked it. And it's a great companion to what's going on in Beyond right now. Uh, so basically, um, in the last few issues, he keeps getting attacked by people who are in prison. And he's like, you know, what the heck? This isn't, you know, it's, these people aren't real. You know what I mean? Like, I'm getting attacked by someone who's under 24-7 observation. He's trying to figure out. It's not Chameleon because he's one of the ones being observed, too. Uh, the newest one is he's attacked by Lady Octopus. And then he's attacked by this monstrosity. Oh, shit. Because this is when Craven's dead. So this ah. is like a dead Craven. And Craven starts vomiting spiders. <laughs> and they just cover him, right? Yeah. And he's trying to figure it out. Um, and then, of all people, Vermin, because Vermin's like his buddy in this, mm-hmm. Vermin actually saves him Ooh. from them. So um, they're trying to figure out well, what's going on, trying to figure out how is this possible. And he's like, well, there's only two people I think that could do this, and it's Chameleon, who is under, you know, observation, yeah, or Mysterio, who's also under observation. He goes in, he threatens Mysterio, and Mysterio's like, "Do you think?" And he's like, "You know me, I love the spotlight. Do you think I, if it was me, I wouldn't have announced it already?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, he's like, he's got a good point. Basically, he's telling the truth is what he says." Um, and so they're trying to figure it out. Um, he goes through some time. He, he like chases down a whole bunch of leads. Like, is it Norman Osborn? Is it Harry? They're both dead, but are they back alive? And then he gets attacked by a waitress who transforms into Craven. He keeps transforming into people and he discovers it was one of his buddies that's been hanging out with him this whole issue. And he's doing this head fuck stuff where he turns into Gwen and Captain Stacy. Oh, like the people who've died. And then he turns into this fucking disgusting. Oh, thing. Yeah, which is David Baldion, by the way, so it just looks incredible. And he basically is like, he keeps dropping names. He like says something like about Kane. And he's like, Kane, do you say Kane? And he goes, um, he's like, he, he says, the guy says, really, brother? And he goes, brother. He goes, you really believe that love struck buffoon Miles Warren is behind this? He's like, you've always underestimated me, ignored me, treat me like a joke. He's like, um, he's like, I see the light of realization dawn in your eyes. You know, you know who now who I am. The jackal's forgotten child, the clone, the sibling. None of you ever acknowledge. My father never gave me a true name, but you can call me Spider Side. <laughs> so it's like a new like clone in that group. Okay. So along with Kane and all of them, so I think it's kind of cool. I think it's a cool twist. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like what happened with Miles recently. Yeah. And so, obviously, I don't think this guy's going to stick around because this is in canon. <laughs> so, but uh, really cool. I, I actually, this is probably my favorite issue so far of the series. So, and Dave Baldion's art is always fantastic. So, all right, Josue, your turn for some Spidey stories. Let's talk about Savage Spider-Man Two. Savage Spider-Man. The, uh, I know the number two, so I'll be quick with it. Uh, but it's just kind of getting it rolling. This is the sequel to Joe Kelly's Nonstop Spider-Man. Uh, but in this case, we have Gerardo um, Sandoval on pencils, on the art, and Envin, with uh, with help with Victor Nava, with the inks, 
Chris Sotomayor on the colors and Travis Lanham on the lettering. Uh, so yeah, like I said, sequel to Not Stop Spider Man. We got left off with uh, he got Peter got hit with the the A plus drug, so he got turned into like the that mon- the monstrous spider, little bit of man. Um, and now they're what? Not the, they're not on the savage side, but they're definitely just out in the jungle. And this is a this is a again a monstrous spider, a little bit of man in him, and with very very little sense of of morals. So all he has in him is that he knows that he's the alpha, he is the king, and he's the alpha in the situ- in the situation, and that he wants to kill Baron Zemo. Just because he's just like so fucked up right now. Um, but before that, it's like uh, he does have his he does have his own little like army. Like he 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 spat out this like little gunk, spider gunk, and everybody has like not, I don't want to say symbiote, but it's like this like this red shit is like all over like their heads, and like they're kind of controlled by the Spider Man. Um, so it kind of does play a sense on like he still has a sense of that he wants to protect these people, but he's just very much adamant like he wants to kill fucking Zemo. Uh, so, so he's still playing a hero, but he's just, he's just str- struggling to get that step forward to, to get to him. And then Zemo is just like popping all the other all his old, his own arsenal. He brings in his buddy. What's his name? Uh, Kraken's Bane. He's, it's, it's just they're super. They're just super Nazis, basically. Um, and there's a whole pl- like a whole side plot on like the people who are like kind of over, like watching this whole situation happen. Um, and yeah, again, like Spider is Peter Parker's not there. So he's just like him going berserk isn't him playing it smart. And, and at the end, like um, his whole, like his new people and, uh, and him actually get captured by Zemo and they're going to be, be taken by, by that ship, by like the, by, like, the side plot. So we'll see where that goes. It was just like a really quick, uh, so like, like, like we said, second issue. Nice. Awesome. I, I was curious about that because I read nonstop, but then I was kind of like, I need to start making cuts. And that was one that didn't make my cut. And I'm mm-hmm. glad you're reading it because I didn't want to know what's going on. So yeah, no, I'm curious to see how it's going to go or how, when Spider-Man or when Peter's going to come back from it all. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, well just uh, go ahead and keep the mic and talk to me about Venom Lethal Protector. Yes. Venom Lethal Protector number one. And it's so funny. Cause like, I mean, it's interesting cause it is, so let's go with the creative team. And it's because of the creative team. We have um, David. How'd you say his last name again? Micheline. Uh, I think it's Michelini. Michelini, yeah. Because there's an extra I in there. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's David Michelini coming back to write. He's the guy who wrote uh, the classic Venom Lethal Protector arc when he started kind of donning the the antihero uh, lifestyle. So I'm not sure if this is supposed to be like a side story to that one because like, I'm looking at some of the covers for the classic Lethal Protector, and on the third one, what, what, like, the, the dude that kind of looks kind of like one of the people that they... I don't actually, I'm, I'm confusing the books from, like, the... He looks like the goon from the... I was just talking about from Shang-Chi. But anyway, um, in this case, it, it is still very much a story from, like, back in the day, um, it, almost like the like the, like the Ben Riley book that you're talking about. Because it's uh, Eddie Brock, and it's, like, it's, like, the classic uh, Venom suit, like, like the, the back in the, the 90s, like, the eyes, like the the gnarly teeth and everything, so it's it's him coming to coming to grasp that it's like yo, we're not that much of a bad guy, <laughs> like we're we're a bad guy, but we're not that much of a bad guy. To, to, uh, the the Wreck It Ralph talk basically, he gives himself the Wreck It Ralph talk, like he wants to protect, like he wants to do good and protect the innocent. Well, that and kill Spider Man, of course, because he still he still ha- he still has that vendetta. Um, 
And then this is where he, he witnesses a, a mugger like trying to steal like an old lady's purse. And so he stops him. Like he takes the purse back and he gives it to the lady. It's super sweet, but she freaks the fuck out because like it's broad daylight and this black monster just is giving her a purse back. So it's kind of like, what the fuck? And he just swings away. <laughs> so and he, he's just struggling to do good. You know, there's another part where he's like, he's just like monologuing to himself, like all brooding and just being like, it's all Peter, it's all Spider Man's fault. And he passes by um, a homeless guy and he's like, oh, can you just spell some change, brother? And he's kind of like, oh, fuck off. And then it's kind of like, oh, wait, no, I should have been nicer. He's probably, it's probably not his fault that he's homeless. So he breaks, <laughs> he breaks into a jewelry store and he's like, here, have fun, old guy. And then uh, as he's walking away, cops just go straight to the, as he's walking away, you, you see the panels play by that these cops go straight to like the homeless guy and they arrest the homeless guy. Cause they think he stole the fucking jewelry store. <laughs> and, and he just, and Eddie Brock just walking away. is like, I did something good today. <laughs> just like, Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and then the side, the, but the actual, obviously it's a superhero book. So we have, we need to have some bad guys. And right now the team that's kind of after him are like these, like these super nobodies. So it's kind of like a callback to uh, jagged bow, death shield and blood spider with a humbug trying to join, join up the crew. So it's, it's a very, very, uh, an old story. I love humbug. I love humbug <laughs> so much. He's such a ridiculous character. I have the first appearance of humbug actually. Oh no shit. That's like, awesome. Randomly. randomly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it's, it's very early days. I'm like, uh, when Eddie was trying to do good, but just struggling hard. <laughs> nice that's fun all right well next up is going to be our trip over to devil's reign oh baby we're gonna start with villains for hire um villains oh for yeah hire number three because we've got two devil's reign books this week uh written by clay mcleod chaplin penciled by manuel garcia inked by lorenzo riviero colored by proto bunkers dono sanchez almara letter by joe sabino um so this is the finale of the three-parter um in the last one, we kind of it kind of was kind of implied that Electro was killed, but she wasn't actually. Um, she survives. Mm. Um, so they're trying to take care of the the mind control, you know, bad guys and stuff. Um, that's the whole first part of it is is them kind of mopping up that fight. Then they go back and fist scales at them for ruining or for you know not succeeding and um, making him look bad and things like that. And that's when he tells them to go after the purple kids, right? Um, Rhino flat out says, yeah, I'm out. He's like, I draw the line of kids. That's fucked up. We're not cool. Good. So, which, yeah, he's the best. So, um, so he bombs out and surprisingly fist doesn't just murder him, which is good. Mm -hmm. I was kind of worried about that. Uh, although we know he doesn't happen, but you know, you know, so, um, the city's like, that's fine. I got a replacement and of all people, the abomination fucking walks out. And I love Rhino, but that's an upgrade. Huh, huh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's who's with them when they go get the purple kids. And the story kind of leads up to right when they have the kids. Also, they're being controlled by Purple Man's powers at this point. (laughs) That's why U.S. Agent still fights the heroes, even though he's undercover. But it literally leads up to the exact moment when the champions show up in Devil's Reign 5. Oh, okay. And that's where it ends. So pretty, pretty great. Fills in some blanks and stuff. A lot of good U.S. agent stuff is what I would really recommend to read it for. So uh, next up, the one Josue was very excited to talk about: Devil's Reign X Men number three. Um, God, I love Emma Frost. I got this cover. Oh, I thought about that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is that X X Men tie-in with Emma. 
and uh, written by Gary Dugan, drawn by Phil Noto, letter by Corey Petit. Um, Emma is the sassiest person <laughs> in the history of comic books. I absolutely loved this book. Um, basically, Wilson is like, Emma killed this little girl because he's like, haha, she disappeared. And I can blame Emma. And Emma's like, no, I know where she is. So she goes and gets her. She goes to England. She takes on Union Jack and a bunch of cops pretty effortlessly. Yeah. <laughs> which was a lot of fun. Um, I love that she was like, let me, like, she's like, unlock me. And he's like, I don't have the keys. Like, we'll carry you away. My feet hurt in the, or my feet hurt in these boots. So they're just carrying her. <laughs> like, and I'm like, that's such an Emma thing to do. Uh, making them all knock each other out simultaneously is fun. Um, a bear mace party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bear mace party was great. Yeah. And she eventually catches up with the girl who has an awesome new costume. Um, and who we find out was trained by Electra. Electra felt bad. And ended up training her to fight, so she's a badass too. And um, as far as I could tell, she's not a mutant. Um, but Emma does throw out an invitation to Krakoa really quick. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, so I was kind of like, yeah. Um. Oh no, no, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. That's right. She says such a relaxed she was. Even Krakoa, she's like, Tata, if that's your wish, it would not be easy. So never mind. Okay, I misread that the first time. So. But yeah, Emma just is sassy the entire time. The two of them take down Union Jack and a bunch of bobbies, um, and they're in Krakoa. And I love the bit. She's like, welcome to Krakoa. Yeah, I changed my mind. I can't live here. <laughs> like, I'm like, yes. Um, Emma Frost's name is kind of cleared, but all of her other crimes have come to light. And then she she basically, like, I love that, like, well, you're going to be sued by the insurance company that had to pay out for Sue Storm's, you know, identity theft. And then Emma's like, okay, well, can I just buy the insurance company? <laughs> like, like, that's great. But I love the closing moment because this is 100% an Emma Frost thing to do. Oh, yeah. Where Wilson Fist wakes up and his wife, Mary, is on his lap with a knife to his throat. And she's being mind controlled by Emma, who's just sitting on a chair, not even looking, by the way. She has her back to them because she's that kind of badass and is basically like, I'm basically, I could be anyone and you'll always need to watch out now. Basically like you shouldn't, basically she's like, you shouldn't have fucked with me. You, you, you mess with the bull, you get the horns is basically what she said. And so I, I loved this. This was, this three issue series was such a great snapshot of who Emma Frost was. Oh, right? for sure. I love it. Uh, one of the most fascinating characters in X-Men lore. So yeah. Um, what do you think? Dude? Uh, I, I love uh, somebody on Twitter put it best. Uh, this week we found out that Isabel has two moms. Was the point of this book? <laughs> yes, it, it was fantastic. The, the opening sequence, like just like Emma, just like calling them. I was like, yeah, ha- a bunch of your people, your constables here, don't believe in are, are telepathy deniers, and the other half don't even believe in the dampeners. So fuck you, dude. Yeah, exactly. It was great. <laughs> Um, and I love Union Jack, and I still didn't have a problem with like that app. That hit, gets like, taken a jump yeah. on him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it's fine. It's, it's Emma. <laughs> like, totally. So, nice. All right, well, next up, we're going to go full-on into Krakoa mode and talk about Wolverine patch number one. Um, so this is actually a like what Marvel's been doing a lot of, where they're bringing back classic creators and giving them a shot, another shot at characters they're known for. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's Larry Hama going back to the patch era of Wolverine. Uh, penciling's done by Andrea DeVito, 
inked by LeBeau Underwood, colored by Sebastian Shang, and letter by Clayton Cowles. Um, I really dug this because, I, I mean, one of my favorite movies is Casablanca. My favorite Disney cartoon is <laughs> Tailspin. I mean, it's not hard to see why I like this. <laughs> but I really liked it. Um, it did also did some of the things I love most about Wolverine. I love him as Patch interacting with Nick Fury because they both have eye patches. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely like there's two good eyes between you two. <laughs> um, I also love that. Uh, I love when Wolverine does something stupid, like jumping out of a plane without a parachute because he can. Yeah. Like, and in this case, it was even better because it wasn't like he tried to, it wasn't like he tried to grab at the branches. He accidentally hit one, but he just fucking face plants. And like, he, like, he also like, let it known as like, it's like, yeah, he's indestructible, basically indestructible. He also said like, but keep it low, keep a tree line. <laughs> I don't want to fall too hard. (laughs) But it's pretty cool. Long story short, he's sent on a mission to find something. He's not really told much. Turns out to be a couple uh, powered individuals. Um, Kind of, I kind of imply brother and sister. Is that what you got to? Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's actually a moment where they say, he says, you're mutants or enhancements. And they say, we are both. And I'm like, that's interesting. So they're mutants that were then given enhancements and also trained to be badasses. Right. And they hand Wolverine his ass, but they don't realize who Wolverine is and that he's going to heal. Mm-hmm. So um, they leave a blood trail when they leave and he goes after them again. So I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I actually really like these characters a lot. I think they're kind of cool. Is the guy that, they, that that was on the phone with them, the guy with like, the spider tattoos, I think that they were like Wolverine was dealing with a little while ago. The guy that had like, got his nose cut off. Um. Wasn't that an Eric Cohen? That's what I thought too. But it's like it's like the same spider tattoo on like he calls, it, he calls him Koi. Okay. Um, now I think if I'd have to do some research, do not quote me on this. Okay. Um, it might be he might be related to Karma. Uh, okay. Okay. Because I remember her uncle was a big was a big like uh, crime lord, mm-hmm. and he got involved in New Mutants and X Force sometimes. Um, so it might be him, but I honestly can't remember what he looks like. But when he said Koi, that was my first thought. Oh, okay. That makes so. sense. Cause it's just like, it's like the same tattoo. It's like big white guy. Just like, it's like, it was just missing like the, like the missing nose, but it's like, it just it threw me off. But I really like this too. Um, uh, but it, I, again, I, I like t- taking it back to like a certain piece where like, I'm not super familiar with and just like getting it kind of like a little, a lot, a little modern touch of, of it. And, and yeah, like the <laughs> Nick Fury and patch is like the, the two patch boys. Also, Tiger Tiger is one of the most underrated Wolverine love interests. I love her. Mm. So she's great. So, which brings us to the final issue of the week and the final issue of the launch of a new era of X Men. Oh boy. Deaths of Wolverine, number five. Let's fucking go. Written by Benjamin Percy, drawn by Federico Vicentini, colored by Dijon Lima, letter by Corey Petit. Um, so, yeah, we have the Phalanx infected Wolverine from the future attacking Krakoa, intending to infect the Cradle, and it's up to the Wolverines to stop him. Uh, I love the first page, which takes us all the way back to House of X. Yeah. With Moira, fuck you, Charles. <laughs> like, it's just so good. Um, and Moira seemingly dies in the first page, in the second page. So you're like, oh, shit. Um Sage, one of my favorite characters. I actually don't talk about her enough, but she is literally one of my favorite characters. 
She'd probably crack my top four if I ever thought about her. She'd probably, I'd probably like her more than Mercury, yeah. Dude, I, I, I've been considering doing like a, a, a legit top five uh, mutants like post Krakoan age. I, I need to have like a serious, serious uh, thinking of it. Yeah. So the Wolverines are fighting him. Sage is able to use the Cerebro Sword to basically make it destroy the Phalanx infestation. And she gives it to Wolverine to do. Uh, they're able to do that. Stops the Wolverine. Now, and then I like that Krakoa eats the skeleton, which was really cool. Yeah. So, um, it's also kind of terrifying because that means we don't see it. It could be anywhere. <laughs> like, because Krakoa is not the most trustworthy we know. Well, I mean, not uh, only- you haven't read the uh, X Men Green yet, so. Oh shit! Well, but not only that, but it's like when that happens. It's specifically taking it back to Sabretooth down there. It's just like, yes. what if he sees it? Like, can he fuck with it? Yeah. But I think the bigger threat here is Beast. Oh, my God. Don't even get me. St- oh, yeah. Okay. We're, we're there. Okay. Because Beast is fucking ridiculous. He's such right a... This hissy fit makes no fucking sense. When, like, just last year at the party, you infected people. Like, bad. We had to st- almost stop the whole party because of you. Yeah, and he basically says, like, you know, Wolverine's a tool. You know, he's a savage killer. He's the tool we do with the cutting with, basically. I'm I'm convinced this is Dark Beast. I'm getting there. I mean, maybe maybe with the scar now, with like the on, on his eye. <laughs> but yeah, so we got the we got the last scene, which is Moira um, Kenross, by the way, in this case, uh, her grave. She's dead, and then we discover she's not in my eleventh life. As as Destiny said, <laughs> maybe another if you play it right. Her last life is literally the thing that she's been telling the X Men to prevent from being created, which is artificial life, basically. Oh yeah, she had a bit, yeah yeah. <laughs> so. She comes back as this robot body. She's still got her face, but the rest of her body is basically animated by a robot. And she's like, I hope you're all looking forward to my swan song. And it cuts. I wonder if that's when Hickman will come back. I don't know. I think I think the connection between Moira and Hickman's overrated, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, so Hickman brought Moira to prominence and now he's leaving, so he's going to kill her. And that was before this issue came out. And I'm like, apparently not, dickheads. Like, I mean, that's, that's why he stepped out to kind of like set her up. And then he'll like. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think she's going to make Orcus even more dangerous. Yeah, no, I mean, if anything. I'm going to make a Sentinel and Nimrod. For all of this, for Hickman to, to make Moira like a prominent Marvel, like a mutant villain. I thought that was fucking dope. Like, it's so well done, too. I loved it. And I'm so excited for the next era of X-Men. Mm-hmm. Like, Destiny really, of really, really good Like just looking at the schedule. Yep. <laughs> Mortal X-Men, Marauders, we got X-Force Combat, X-Men Red, Knights of X, Legion of X, and of course the main X-Men line. I'm very excited. It's gonna be great, great, great. I love that we don't get to see Wolverine until the very end of that schedule. Yeah, right. I mean he'll be around, but like his book isn't until like, yeah, you you had enough Wolverine, just just wait him out. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's the comics. So, Sway, what else have you been reading? Oh, boy, did I do my deep dive again. I read Hawkeye, the saga of Baron and Bishop, the Fraction Run. Ah, oh, it's so good. 
it was quite delightful. It was very fucking good. I, I did really love the whole the whole tone on like what does Clamp Barton do when he's not with the Avengers? And he's just a guy. He's just mm-hmm. a fucking guy. And that's uh, I really like that 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 really uh, feel throughout it all. And fucking uh, David Aja, like just outstanding work on like also just getting like the 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 feel of it all. Like how like because it is like there's some signing that that happens like at some point in the book. At some points in the book, it almost feels like you're reading a manual, and like it, it does a really good job of kind of like uh, uh, playing that out. Um, and then because I finally read this, that t- obviously ties in mostly into the Hawkeye show. Uh, but now it's backwards. I finally found my one. I I now realize my one thing. Uh, I I don't. My one thing I didn't like about the MCU show, and that is uh, was name Kazari. The um, though I did love the representation. Uh, it's the the guy that would that would actually be the only the only guy that would actually sign with Echo in the show. He is a uh, Maya, Maya's cousin or whatever. Oh, okay. In the book, he's like this, like not like super master assassin, but he's just like a really good hitman. But it's like he, but he puts on like this mind face, and he's basically just like the, the main antagonist in this book. I just really liked him in this book, and I now kind of wanted that in the show. Yeah, but I, I like how they repurposed him to be. Oh, for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. Like he, like, I, I love their scenes throughout throughout the show. But now I kind of want to see like the, the mind killer. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Anything else you're reading? Uh, no, that was all like 24 issues of it in four in four days. <laughs> all right. Um, I finished Age of Ash, and it was great. Nice. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna write up a full review and see if I can post it somewhere. I'll let you guys know. Just check our Twitter for that. Um, other than that, I got more Kickstarter mail. Nice. And I really thoroughly enjoyed reading Love University. Uh, so this is a four part series, uh, done by Allison Cheney Whitmore, Carola Borelli, and Agnes Pozza. Um, but it, it is like a magical university with a romantic kind of feel to it. So um, I really liked it. Uh, I love the art a lot. It's really cool. And it came with a print, which I really dug. So um, nice. Yep. So that was, that was my big read besides that. Uh, other than that, I needed an audiobook to put on when I was bored and doing stuff. So it's never wear again. I've listened to it like 20 <laughs> times. I don't care. It's just fucking fantastic. So um, the other thing I want to bring up, I thought about putting this in news, but it's not comic news, but it is very exciting. So oh, yeah. I want to talk to us way about it. Uh, did you hear about the new D&D book? No, but I remember that I was supposed to talk about something else, too. <laughs> yes. So there's a new D&D book coming out, and it is going to be so dope. I'm so excited for this book. It is a an anthology book. And... Um, let me just get it's got a bunch of different um adventures in it ranging from level one to level 14 right <laughs> and i'm actually trying to find it right now so i get the name of it right it's called radiant citadel so uh radiant citadel is it's it's a basically a castle that's in the multiverse and from there you can travel to different places all these different worlds now here's the thing Every single thing was written by a person of color. Mm-hmm. And every adventure is based on something from their culture. Ooh. Yes. Ooh is right. <laughs> so, um, so for instance, uh, 
me see if this this article doesn't have the examples. One of them, I, I think the level one one was based on. I want to say, and don't don't quote me on this. I could be wrong because I don't have it in front of me. But it was like a Thai market, mm-hmm. and you have to like navigate the market. It's like a level one low stakes one. Yeah. And um, but there's basically people of all different origins have written written for this and tying into their own origins and uh like it's gonna be really cool uh i'm really excited to see it it kind of reminds me of what marvel and dc have been doing with the with you know marvel voices and the oh, DC, yeah. or dc uh um what was the asian american one i can't remember the name of it the AI, aapi yeah but oh but identity the DC, identity yeah that's what it was so um yeah it's kind of like that but it's for D D. And so um, I'm just excited. I always love adventures. That's always my favorite thing to buy for D&D. Um, and uh, so they, they did a real course. It is uh, had over 50 people of color working on it. And both covers were drawn, drawn by women of color. color. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, basically, uh, I'm trying to see if I can find out like the, the origins. Uh, the founders of the Citadel, the, the actual city in the story, are people from 27 different cultures, including 12 of whom who are lost, quote. So I think that's really cool. Okay. Um, yeah, the first level of adventure is called Salted Legacy. Presents a comedic mystery set in a bustling night market. Uh, third level, Written in Blood, sends them to investigate a farm with a terrifying haunting. And um, I believe that one is actually based on like uh, Southern like black culture. With this, which is really interesting to see how they're going to make a and d character. Yeah. D&D campaign out of that. Um, and then Shadow of the Sun, which is 11th level one, encourages adventurers to choose allegiances when navigating the escalating tensions of an angel-ruled city. Ooh. So, yeah, I'm really, really excited. That's awesome. I know, right? It's just, it's, I'm just very excited about it. And um, the covers are absolutely beautiful. Um, there are two covers. There's the normal cover, and then there's the deluxe cover. I normally get the deluxe cover. Yeah, um, because they just look really pretty. Um, but if I could send this to you real quick, so you can see what I'm talking about, uh, the cover, the cover at the very top, um, right next to the where it starts. Yeah, that's the normal cover. Okay. If you scroll down, there's a thing that says "Find Your Store." That's the variant cover, the collector's cover. So, but yeah, I'm very very excited about this. I'm going to be purchasing it. It's going to come out in June, I believe. And I'll be running through them very, very much so. So, <laughs> very excited. But yeah, um, that is it for me. Anything else you want to bring up before we go? Uh, yes. Um, uh, th- a thing I got this week was, oh my god, this weekend. I'm so excited to dive into this. I got the 35th anniversary box set of Akira. I saw you talking about that on stream. I never read this. I've been super excited for this. And then it, I'm even more excited for it now because like, I've, I've, seen, I've seen those old, uh, just those giant trades around. But I didn't know. Thank God I never picked one up before. I didn't know that those were basically Americanized. Because I, I guess for the for the thirty fifth anniversary set, and thirty fifth because this year is the fortieth, so this is a reprint of the one from five years ago. Uh, but it's all six Akira volumes presented for the first time in original right to left reading format, like an actual manga. I thought it was gonna bother because I thought it was gonna bother me, kind of like because com- like, I already have manga compartmentalized, like reading it in that format. So it was gonna really bother me trying to read a manga the other way like nor i guess our way but now it'll be just like that and it's just it's so fucking pretty they're, they're each in, a, in an actual in a hardcover instead of a trade pay a trade paperback 
um, and I got sweet patch with it and an art book of like all the uh, concept arts and shit, but it's really fucking sweet. Uh, but like I said, I'm not reading this one yet because was it this week we saw Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. So I'll be deep diving and reading that manga instead. Nausicaa is my next uh, watch, by the way. Really? Uh, yes. Yeah. We already talked about it. So honestly, we only watched Porco Rosso because let's just put it on. Okay. Oh, okay. With no discussion. <laughs> in, that, so. the, in that Liz fashion. Cool. Because <laughs> yeah, we're watching this. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us here on We Have Issues. Those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at WHI Podcast. You can check me out at WHI Podcast Keith, our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz, Josue at Josue Reads Josue. You can also check out Josue on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue, um, where he plays games, talks about comics, and goes over the jukebox. Now, what is the jukebox, you ask? Well, that is our other show, the Jukebox Vertigo, at Jukebox Vertigo, where we put together a playlist every other week with our friends, usually Amanda, and we uh, center around a specific theme each time and just talk about music in general. It's a lot of fun. And then on Twitch, Hostway will talk about the songs. He'll listen to them live, give his opinions, and add them on the playlist at that point so it's a lot of fun a lot of interaction you have a chance to react to him in real time as we listen to them so make sure to check that out he usually does that on monday nights the show comes out on monday mornings so once again at jukebox vertigo on twitter don't forget to bag board and box your new treasures and we will see you next week with the new batch of beautiful books stay safe and read more comics (laughs) 